I better pump the brakes a little bit, guys. On the gold tank. <laughs> pump the brakes on the gold tank, will you? Oh, Thing's man. just a gas guzzler. I got to put that in the garage. Yeah. What with the price of gas and all? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I don't have enough cash, but here. Ding, 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 ding. Will you take <laughs> take this chunk of gold yeah. in return for a tank of gas? Yeah, you just, just break a knob off inside and go, here you go. Why not? Just it's, key my tank. It's real. Pick up what's, what's left. Give that's, that a little chew. That's another thing. Like, what did the inside look like? Was it gold on the inside, too? It had to or be. was it just like a bare bones actual tank? Because in, the inside of a tank is one of the least sexy things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Like, I got to sit in an M1, and I'm like, oh, this is horrific. Now imagine this with five other dudes that haven't showered in weeks. Yeah. I, no, I can't imagine. Like the North African sun chasing Rommel across oh my gosh. North Africa. Like, no. And they used, they used to drag, what was it, like uh, sheets or uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff behind the tanks mm-hmm. to purposely create just clouds of dust. Yep. To make their numbers look like they were bigger than they were. Well, and that's it's some uh, some what are they the Tuscan war Tuscan warrior is that what it was from Star Wars, the Tuscan Raiders. There it is. Gotcha. Yeah, they walk Raiders. single file to hide their numbers. Yes, we did the opposite. They were like, Nah, yeah. man, spread the shit out. Yeah. Make it look yeah. like we got everybody coming. Make them think there's fifty thousand tanks here. <laughs> five. <laughs> There's five. <laughs> I would just love if, like, if we could add drones back then and just see just see one Tuscan Raider up on the hill, like, ur, 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 and then the <laughs> subtitle just said, they're doing it wrong, man. You want to hide your numbers so they don't know who's coming for them. <laughs> oh, if only. Because that, that's actually where they filmed it. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Tunisia. 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 Oh, man. That would be the Brits. Tunisia. Tunisia. Uh, it's how did we figure out how long it's been? I can't remember. We got it. We got a, a return. It's been, yes. a, it's been yeah. like a year and a half, I think, in that range. Uh, drama. He back. Drama. Y'all don't even know. Good to be back. Thanks yeah. for having me again, you guys. I've been looking forward to this. The equipment has been upgraded. We've hit a few power ups. Noise. We have a different, but. Equally, if not infinitely more beautiful surrounding. Uh, it's uh, obviously recording this still in, well, technically winter. Um, it is, it's odd to think about like what this will look like in the summer yeah. when it's still like sunlight out. While we're recording. <laughs> yeah. Right. It just, it seems so intimate right now. Because, yeah. All the kids are playing. It's still light out. I don't want to go to bed. It'll be nice in its own way because. You shut your mouth. We were recording. Yeah. We were recording in the summer in. The catacombs, and you would have no idea if there Correct. was light, if it was raining. Correct. If your car was still there. <laughs> you just wouldn't know. <laughs> this whole thing is like a weird science experiment on whether or not like daylight and weather affects our creativity on a show. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. I like that. Totally. In the summer, our, our friends will be out here. Nate, you know, Nate and Derek will be standing out here smoking cigars, tapping on the window. Tapping you guys done window. yet? Hey, let me, let me in, man. Yeah. Guys. Guys. You'll throw, like, a pebble to the window and then just, like, bust it right through. We'll think somebody's trying to rob the place. Oh, my God. You know how we do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, again, do you want to reintroduce yourself to everybody and let them know uh, where your, your career is and what you're up to? Absolutely. So, my name is Nate Beck. Uh, I am currently uh, employed with a company called Bovida. Boveda. Some, some might pronounce it Boveda or Bovida. It is technically Boveda. Uh, we make 
two-way humidification packs yeah. that keep all your precious cigars, your flower of, you know, dual varieties, however you like to uh, imbibe. Yo, dank. Uh, and also musical instruments. We keep them all properly humidified. So I've been with them three years now, which seems like it's just flown by. Yeah. It's actually funny when the last time that you were on, it was the first time I'd heard you or anybody say how useful they would be like for reeds and woodwind instruments and yeah. all that. Yeah. I have told so many people about, because surprisingly, even with the life that I live, I come across a lot of my friends who have kids who are getting into or who are quite good at musical instruments. Yeah. And it's a thing just like I was as a saxophone player. I, I, I never even thought that that was a thing that could happen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. In fact, I just uh, sent a bunch of our product to the son of one of my college friends. Uh, her son is a professional uh, oboist. Yeah. Ooh. And he's out in Boston. And she chimed in and says, yeah, my son uses your stuff for his uh, oboe cases. I'm like... No way. I totally didn't even think of that. So I sent him a bunch of stuff nice. um, that he stores with his oboe. And then you can actually store your reeds for oboes, clarinets, saxophone reeds, all Saxophone. Yeah. You can store them with our 72% packs, and they are literally in playable condition. So you don't have to, like, soak them in water. You don't have to Walk around you know, sucking, sucking on, on them like a, like a weirdo all day. Yeah, it's pretty slick, man. Cool. Yeah. I had a thing for a long time where... Um, as like a teenager or whatever, even in college, like if you had a popsicle, I would just walk around like sucking and chewing on the, mm-hmm. the wooden stick yeah. afterwards. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that a friend of mine pointed out that, well, yeah, because you, you used to have to suck on a, a reed. And so you just got used to like that. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. All right. That tracks. Yep. Just keeps me going in the same vein. <laughs> I got some uh, pre-rolls when I was just in Chicago. Yeah. And instantly I was like, I got a little Bovida pack in my like, little carry one of my carry things for cigars it's like i'll keep these things fresh that's awesome they're right in the little box that it comes in i i i have to admit that the pre-roll is one of the greatest things on earth for me i was always terrible at rolling joints and i make fun of a lot of the oh really is it that hard but that's one where i like maybe in my entire life i had one or two really good looking Uh. joints I yeah. loved. I always loved cleaning weed and rolling joints, and I I think I was pretty good at it. But it's so convenient. Yeah, right. You just get the little. It's like a seven pack. It comes in this beautiful yeah. cardboard tube packaging. The, these shops. I I actually had never been inside of a dispensary. Oh. It was the first time I'd been inside one, and it was interesting. There's like an entryway and a security guard, and they oh, take yeah. your ID and all that shit. And it was very nice in there. They had like sports memorabilia, class cases like we had at Schinders back in the day. Yeah. And all this really cool stuff. And then my thing is, I'm a born-again pot smoker. So I I said, all right, you probably hear this sometimes, but can you lead me in the direction of something that isn't super powerful? Mm-hmm. And their console that they have at the shop, I wish I remembered the name because I'd shout them out, but this console they have at the shop actually shows by percentage. thing is, I have no form of reference, so I, I don't know what percentage that is referring to. But I ended up with some some cool hybrid stuff. I haven't tried it yet. I brought it home to enjoy with Marnie so we can, you know, um, just explore it with that. Because I think I've discovered that I've, it's like logger, I've come full circle. Yeah. I think I've realized that I just enjoy smoking it the most. So I'm excited because it's also the first time I've had any flower from, I think anyways, any flower from a dispensary. Yeah. So whatever, yeah. like this... What do you call it? third wave or second wave? Whatever, I don't, yeah, whatever. Right. yeah. So I'm I'm excited to try that stuff. New wave, 
Go way. New way. <laughs> yeah, it's I I love it. Um, it really is for for those of you listening. Um, places that that it isn't legal. It really is kind of fun seeing what like the modern consumerist and marketing culture has done to to like the purchase of marijuana. Mm. But like most of the shops that I go in go one of two ways. They either look like an Apple store where everything is like super clean Mm -hmm. and like over the top, like, you know, bright white and all that. Or they kind of look like, um, Schindler's is a great example, like a memorabilia store or, um, what my head was, was like a, like a, a small jewelry store. Oh, for sure. Where everything is in like the glass cases and you can kind of like walk around and like look at it. I was talking about it with a friend of mine and I'm sure other people have come up with this before, but for, for those of us that are a little older, the dispensary that I want to see somebody make is one where you walk in and it looks like somebody's dilapidated living room. Oh, and, that'd be awesome. And you, you, you know, you're going to figure out what you want to buy, but then you still have to sit down and like smoke a joint with one of the people that works yeah, there. Right. And he just has to tell you about his problems and about how his like girlfriend is bitch. So it's the apartment from Pineapple Express. That would be a perfect example. Yes, <laughs> or, or the back bar, at Young Joni, that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, right? With, yeah. Uh-huh, you got, but yeah. you got to have you got to have couches that have like a bunch of brightly colored faux Indian design patterns on them over the top, and you wonder what they're covering up. You have to have a chair that at least one spring is sort of poking through. Yes. You know, you got to have like mismatched chairs around a scratched up dining room table. One with the weapons playing on a tube TV. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. One of the chairs sure. has to have plastic on it. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> that's the nice one. That's it. And then there's a, a cat that's walking around that just meows constantly. Uh-huh. Like that That would be perfect. I would love that. And you can play Duck Hunt, but you have to ask. Yeah, yeah. And you gun. can't play by yourself. You still have to play that yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the... The shops that have the like jewelry store look, both jewelry stores and those uh, dispensaries have equal parts neon. Oh yes, because those classic jewelry stores also have neon mm-hmm. in the shop. I I love it. I went to Buy I, gold here. Yeah, I went to one in uh, I went to one in Colorado that was very much like the jewelry shop. And as we walked in, we were like assigned a person, and they were like walking around and just like taking notes as we went. I'm like, please. Take a look at all of these right now. I'll be right back, and, and we'll and they like just walk away and then like watch you for a little bit and then come back over, like not trying to give you the hard sell, uh-huh. but like I really do feel like you should. You're gonna look great in this. Like this is this is gonna feel great on you. <laughs> like yes. I mean, all right, I guess. I suppose. <laughs> I I also I have a tough time with it. There's we always do this. Like anytime that there's a, like a new term that comes out and you're like, uh. Like, I, you know, I remember when foodie became a thing and mixologist became a thing. Farm and to table. Beer tender. But the, 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 yeah, but the, the bud tender, I still have a tough time with oh, no. that term. Oh, no. But that's, that's, that's a, the term. legitimately the term. That's the I've term. I've never heard that. That's yeah. what they are. Bud that's, tenders. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. It's, I just, I could, I, it, it's been years and it still doesn't yeah. sit on my shoulders well. It doesn't <laughs> come out. That. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Like, I just can't. I'm I'm all here for it. I love the profession. I love the expertise because even as uh you know half of my life user, I still don't know anywhere near everything. So I want advice. I just don't want to have to call you that. Yes. You know, unless there's like an actual certification that you can get and that's what they choose to call it. Okay. Mm. But I I would really prefer like There might actually be. There could be. Yeah. But like let's just find out what it what it is and like pick a a pretty language like Portuguese or French or Japanese. Come up with a term and just put it in a different language so I don't know that that's what it is. <laughs> 
That's <laughs> so silly. Where's Bad. my buddy? Where's my buddy? Oh, yeah. uh, it's Bud Tender. I'm sorry. I did not go to six months of upstairs weed college to be called Buddy. It is Bud Tender. Bud Tender. <laughs> yeah, you get locked Sir. in that room we were talking about. Yep. Yes. But it's like a, uh, it's like a, God, what are those called? Those rooms you go to, escape room. It's like an <laughs> escape room. And you have to get really high and then try to figure out how to get out. And then you passed. I would tell you 100% <laughs> that I would do that. If there was an escape room that instead of having a bar out front and getting you drunk, they got you high and then you had to go in and figure it out. It out. Yeah. And then I would, or maybe we should start one and then just sell the footage. Yeah, yeah. Cause you would, I would love to hear the discussions going on with like six high people yeah. trying to figure out their way out of a room before, right. the, before the bomb goes off. So firstly, four of them would not even be trying to leave. Uh-uh. They would just sit down and they'd be this is where I live now. Until yeah. someone pointed out that the snacks are all outside. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that's it. There's no emergency. Maybe that's it. You're just in a normal room, but you have to there. figure out how to get out because all the Cheetos, all the snacks, all the frozen oh, pizzas are okay. all back outside. The, the longer you're in there, it's like Abercrombie. They roll in the smell of the yes. nacho cheese. Oh, my God. <laughs> like Haggy's pizzas flowing in there. Yeah. Speaking of... Okay, speaking of that, I, I was at a mall for work a uh, week and a half ago. I forgot about that smell. Uh, both Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister. Right. Mm-hmm. They still just spray it over everything. Every pile of clothes. And I think maybe because I don't know anyone. Like, I remember back then, half of the people that I went to school with wore one of those scents. So it wasn't quite as overwhelming. It was just a lot of a scent that I was used to. But fuck, I couldn't tell you the last time I had smelled that. Yeah. And like, as we were like <laughs> coming around the corner, you could start to pick it up in the air. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's familiar, but... Oh, You're immediately back to 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Yep. Driving my 19. Uh, sir, do you grand still down. have the big shirt? Is that still available? <laughs> That's oh, all about the jeans. I the ladies the love yep. the Abercrombie and Fitch jeans. Low rise. So it's huge right now. There's a. Are they popular again? Yeah. Hugely popular. The yep. jeans, like yeah, a lot, a lot of women I know love their jeans. There's wow. a uh, there's a subreddit that I follow called Blunder Years. It's just people posting like their terribly awkward photos from whatever. <laughs> and it's so funny because inevitably when I see somebody from the mid nineties, like from, from our era, I'm always like, holy shit. I just saw somebody wearing that like yesterday, you know? And it's somebody yeah. roughly the same age. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh man. Isn't that yeah, crazy? I, ugh. It's all cyclical. I mean, fuck. I had a Pink Floyd shirt. I had a Led Zeppelin shirt. I had, I had f- flare leg pants. I mean, whatever. For sure. Well, like, sure. I had a blast from the past. The other day, I was scrolling through Instagram videos, just falling asleep. And I believe it's Susanna Hoff, the lead singer of the Bangles, yeah. popped up. One of my first crushes. She's 65 now. Yeah, it's all good. She looks great. She's stunning. She still sounds as good as when she was in her 20s. Her and Matt, uh, 90s alt-rock darling Matthew Sweet did three albums of covers together. And I could listen to those two sing for the rest of my life. Yeah. They are, yeah. she's amazing. Her, Belinda Carlisle, and Tiffany, man. Oh, yeah. Oof. Never Debbie Gibson guy. Nothing against Debbie. Just wasn't my Debbie Gibson's still doing thing. music, and she's a little on the hokey side. She, didn't she do, like, Broadway? She has done some, yeah. Yep. It's a whole other skill when a singer advances in age and they sing exactly the way that they did yep. when they were, you know, in, like, their 30s. Like, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Dude's got to be 65 now. Yeah. He sounds exactly the same. All those guys, when you watch them live, it's 
it's so impressive. They're I flying around the stage, slinging guitars. I don't they look get the it. same. Yeah. yeah, right. Like I'm way more of the like the Elton John, Billy Joel. Like my voice has gotten down to this point, and it's probably just going to keep going lower. Sure, I, that makes more sense to me. Like hearing those dudes that can still just belt like that. I don't. I don't understand how that's possible. You're a superhero. Right. Like that just shouldn't be to do it day in. Cause it's not like they took decades off. Like Iron Maiden has just been on tour yeah. for 35 or 40 years. Well, and somebody like that there, they did not for some of those years, take good care of their Mm-mm. bodies or their voices. Mm-mm. They just didn't. Rob That's Halford, crazy. same thing. Like yeah. that dude can still hit his whales. I don't know. Good for you. That's crazy. Way to go. Not me. <laughs> yeah. He's 65 actually. God, that's wild. And he's like, they're just embarking on another tour. Yeah. And if they come anywhere around me, I will go watch them. Cause the last time I saw them, I guess that was about five years ago now, yep. but it was great. I couldn't believe it. Cause I hadn't seen them in probably 15 years to that point. And I was just bewildered. Like, holy shit. Listen to these guys. I am hoping that the way that they've, they've um, advanced 3d like projector mapping, it would be really cool. Is it Eddie? What's the name of the the, the zombie? Yeah, the yeah, Eddie, yeah, It would be awesome if they had oh, like an actual interactive. Hold on. Oh, their shows they do giant inflatables that are real. What? That are yeah. way better than what you're talking about. Awesome. It is fucking wild. I'm they do like giant warplanes and a giant Eddie like clawing at the crowd. Just when, but real. Later tonight when you leave, and also if you're listening to this. When the show was over, look up videos of this shit. It is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's real. Fuck. While I was watching it, I was like, what? Did I do some fucking drugs that I didn't know about? Yeah, it's we crazy. Were, we were up in the suite. We were like, I was with Adam Turman and some other guys. Yeah. So we were up watching it. And it was actually a great vantage point because you yeah. could see all of what was happening. And obviously they have a bunch of actors running around wearing armor and shit. But when that warplane came out and... I was so fixated on the way it maneuvers because it maneuvers like a real warplane. Like Wild. the the way that it tilts on its axis back and forth. It looks like it's flying through the air. Mind-blowing. That's so fucking cool. Good for them. Good for them. Good for Iron Maiden. They finally made it. Yeah, you finally, <laughs> finally hit that stadium. They finally figured it out. <laughs> it only took 25 years, but good for you. Yeah. Oh, good for you. There it is. I'm happy about it. That they would. I think they would... They would Probably I've crossed just about everything off my bucket list. The last person left on my list uh, from like a long time ago is uh, Alanis Morissette. And I got my ah. ticket to see her this summer. So I, maybe I just got to throw, I got to throw Iron Maiden on there. Cause I don't know how many. More oh yeah. I, I would say that you should consider that, especially after you watch those videos about, you're going to be like, all right, I got to do this. Gotta Cause you'll also this. hear them and see them on stage. It's, it's so impressive. Yeah, that show that is, it's going to be in St. Paul, Minnesota mm-hmm. here. It's a, an outdoor festival by the organizers of Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful card. It's going to be on the river. Mm-hmm. It looks like a lot of fun. That's that's going to be uh, coming up in July. 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 Yep. In July. Mini, It'll in, be here before Paul. we know it. Yeah, I'm just, cool. I'm happy because like, like the, the Lollapalooza group, they do a lot of fests around the country mm-hmm. and we've sort of, just been left out you know there's always a chicago thing and then uh st louis did one or two and i think kansas city had one but it's usually mostly oh, really? coastal or like um down on like the the gulf 
And I'm just happy that we got something, you know? Yeah. The last time I went to an outdoor festival in St. Paul was, it was called Riverfest, and that's when Tool performed outdoors, yep. and it, it was, was <laughs> fucking awesome. It was uh, it was Dave Matthews the first night and Tool the second right, night. Yeah. Was it really? And I have never in my life wanted two days to become one so bad, because <laughs> I would fucking love, because here's the deal. You guys are both cool with like nine minute songs. And you both have really devoted fan bases yeah. that everyone else hates. So I want to yeah. see how those crowds interact. I don't know this for a fact, but I bet you that Maynard, James Keenan, and Dave Matthews are friends. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would love that. Right. Or they like mortal enemies. <laughs> I, you know what? Why. I could see Danny Carey and Carter <laughs> Beaufort getting along. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd be down with that. <laughs> that would be rad. But yeah, I just, I, I had this like, I had this dream of what those two crowds would look like. Oh my God. That's great. Yeah. So Nathan, before we move on, yes. you just got back a few days ago from TPE, one of the, the biggest uh, tobacco expos in the world That's in correct. Las Vegas. Anything new in the cigar world? Uh, you know, honestly, not... Not too much that I was aware of, apart from just new cigars that come out. Sure. And even then, that particular show is primarily geared. There is a premium cigar section. Uh, the rest of it, I I think it's like a giant walk through Saturday morning cartoon. Mm. Like it's, um, you know, it's all the stuff <laughs> you'd find in a more classic tobacco shop. Sure. Your your vape, all your you know your rolling cones, uh, you know your. Uh, stuff for cannabis, mm-hmm. all the cannabis accessories, all the the CBD derivatives, the TH stuff. This year's was kind of cool. There was actually quite a few more cannabis cultivators and growers mm. and actual cannabis companies uh, that haven't been at that show in previous years because there are several other major cannabis shows that happen in Las Vegas specifically for that industry. Um, this year they had two floors, evidently up on the the second floor, there are always like women pole dancing and, you know, scantily clad girls for all these companies and uh, magicians and just all sorts of crazy shit. Evidently, this year, there were actually topless women up on the, on the second floor. <laughs> Who knew that was the thing at a trip? Somehow they went back in time. They yeah. went back in time, yes. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I just had, I love the idea of like a bunch of THC people and magicians because there's nothing <laughs> yeah. that would be more fun right? than to like just like make something disappear like whoa, whoa. all the tricks are impressive all the no tricks are impressive way. you're not even there yet like i just you just shuffled bro so derek and i were just on a road trip we went to the chicago collective chicago. the biggest menswear show in the united states and we somehow got to talking about magic because the gathering like, not magic the gathering like magic tricks <laughs> because of uh the Mall of America used to have a magic shop. Yeah, oh, yes. You gentlemen have probably been there. We're all from the Twin Cities. We were just kind of regaling how there was this guy who worked there. I couldn't tell you what he looked like, but when I was a kid and we got dropped off on Saturday mornings, we'd go there as one of the first stops. You know, video game store, food court. Let's go to the magic shop. And then he'd show you these tricks. Like I, I couldn't remember this, and, and he he shook the memory loose for both of us the cup of water that you drop the powder into and then you try to throw it in someone's face and it doesn't come out because it solidifies the water. And I was like, oh, shit. And he was like, are there magic shops still anywhere? I don't think there are. I people just buy it on the internet. Buy it on the internet. Yeah. Are there magic shops? Do you guys know of a magic shop anywhere? I do not. <laughs> if there is, like, it's got to be somewhere like Vegas. Yeah. Sure. It's gotta be. Oh, there's for sure one in Vegas. I know that be. there's right. one there. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I remember that guy. It, it, I, could, I could be wrong, but I remember him being like, not overweight, but like a little rounder. And he had a, a black and purple cape that he would wear when he was going to do his like full demonstration. Ooh. And uh, I just picture Max from the Max on Saved by the Bell. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yes. That was his name, right? Wasn't yep. his name Max? Yeah. Yep. Yes. I just picture that guy and it's not him. Only that guy in a black dress shirt and then a colored tie. Because yeah. that's still the outfit for all magicians that <laughs> yeah. aren't famous. Yeah. For sure. Baffles me. We used to have, uh, I worked in an Irish pub that did a brunch uh, every weekend, and we had a, a table side magic guy that would come, and somebody would be like, oh, where's the magician? I'm like, look around right now. There's only one guy that looks like a magician. <laughs> black pants, white belt, black dress shirt, and then some brightly colored, like, Jerry Garcia tie. <laughs> and it was always like, oh, yeah, that, yep. Yeah, Maybe that's the magic that trick. Guy. A guy, a guy wearing like buffalo flannel makes that guy disappear. Exactly, it's very fair. <laughs> God, it was, it was like just all these families. Make the millennial there. disappear. Yeah. <laughs> all these people are there, like just getting drunk at brunch, and he's like, "Do you guys want to see a trick?" And they'd be like, "No." No. Like, all right, well, I'm gonna do one anyway. And then you get like six people at a table trying not to watch. While Can you dude, bring me another Pepsi? Yeah, while a dude next to them like does a trick. Oh, it was such a weird. I mean, I'm happy that they were trying to do something different, but God, that just was, it did not work. No. no. <laughs> ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. And somehow behind his time as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The magic brunch will, will arrive someday. <laughs> we don't know when, but it'll be here someday. Magic brunch, I'm just like, mushrooms? Is that what this is? Yeah, right. <laughs> Hold on. Magic Magic brunch. brunch. <laughs> so speaking of magic mushrooms, there is a, a guy in the cigar industry who... Uh, uh, he's done kind of a few different things, and I believe he's got was part of a shop and is going to be opening up kind of a newish shop, taking over an old space. And is everyone knows him as Hollywood Mike, and he's been in some Toyota commercials. He was in Sons of Anarchy, so he's he's got uh, a bit of an acting resume, and he's just a just a gem of a human being. He is coming out with a line of psychedelic mushrooms called Oh, is it Hollywood Mike Shrooms? <laughs> I think I think that might be something along those lines. It's fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, so that was something new. And to answer your question, Charles, about the, you know, is there anything new at this show? Generally mm. speaking, that in the cigar industry, there are cigars at that show, and it's usually a great way to interact with, like, distributors and wholesalers, you know, these big cash and carries that come to the show and buy all their stuff. Uh, the other... Big cigar show is called the uh, uh, the PCA show, so it's Premium yeah. Cigar Association. Next month, right in March. Yeah, and that's in like yeah. six weeks, and that used to be for the past number of years was in July. So you'd get a lot of people in end of January, early February for this show, and then for the one in July, they'd all come out and do another big order at those, and they bumped it up to basically seven weeks away. And so, especially on the cigar side of our business most of the new stuff is going to come out in seven weeks because those cigar producers just mm. couldn't, they couldn't shift that fast to change their production and make sure everything shipped out when it was supposed to or in a, okay. a normal timeline. So I think there'll be a lot more new stuff coming out when I'm back in Vegas in seven weeks. Yeah, buddy, don't say that in a sad Ooh. way. Let's go. You got to go to Jammy Land. Got to do it. The, again, I got <laughs> burned. The only day I was able to go was yeah. Monday. And it open on Monday. We all have we all have those places that are etern eternal recommendations. Mm -hmm. 
That maybe be, maybe that'll trying. be a topic on a future episode. It's, not, even, it's not even just you. It's just everyone I know that goes to Vegas says, "Where should I go?" And there's a lot of places to recommend, but I because of that, it's almost like you don't want people to go because it's funny. It's like when Quam leaves here every time he goes to the wrong door. And I every time I never want him to use the right door because it's hilarious. Oh, but yeah. I did. I broke the street last <laughs> week did. or last time. He broke the street. But I think it was because we didn't have a guest in house. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, okay. We we cursed it because we did a we did a remote <laughs> and that's what it was. We're bringing it back this week. <clears throat> There's a lot of doors in this mansion. Yeah. Again, it's the Resident Evil mansion. Yeah. But Jammy Land is the place I recommend to everyone who goes to Vegas. And I still haven't had anybody that I know that's gone to Vegas on my recommendation, go to Jamie Land. So someday it'll happen, and that'll also make me happy, but I'm like 0-211 right now. <laughs> I was there last year, Ben, this same you tried trip. going. I went, and it was open. And I said, oh. hey, am I, am I at the right spot? And they're like, yeah, this is the right spot. Are you part of the private event? No. Is it a private event tonight? Oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm like, <laughs> of course it is. I was like, listen, my friend's going to show up. I need to keep the streak alive, so just tell him not to come in. <laughs> and and the, the funny thing is, is I spend most of my time when I'm out at those trade shows, especially for meals, within a three-block radius of where this Jamiland is because it's up in the Arts District in Vegas, yeah. which is awesome. And uh, one of the best Italian restaurants in the country, in fact, I just ate there on this last trip, is a place called Esther's Kitchen. And they were actually just voted in CNN... MSNBC, like several major thrillists as one of the 10 best Italian places in the country. So it's this great, um, lots, tons of local ingredients, rotating menu. Is it like a red sauce Italian place? No. Or like a traditional No, it's almost more like regional Italian. Okay. Um, They do their own sourdough in-house, and then they ferment that sourdough for like another 40 hours to make the pizza dough, and they do like four or five different pizzas. Um it's just a great like shareable plates, but like you can really murder yourself with food. Um, one of the best things on their menu is, and I've never seen this at a restaurant uh, like this. You get like half a sourdough loaf, and then you pick like two, three, or a bunch of spreads. So they do like a uh, a beautiful salted butter with a little drizzle of olive oil. They do an anchovy and caper butter, yeah. um, basil and ricotta. They do an andouille. Butter, essentially, with Nduya sausage in it. It's absolutely spectacular. And you just get these little, like, a little bigger than a silver dollar. Give it to me. Uh, I want it all. It's fantastic. And so you start with that. It's it's just great. Um, Mm. Interesting thing about that arts district, when I'm I'm out in Vegas in February, it's beautiful weather to go for a walk and have a cigar in the morning. Like, get myself up from being up too late. Yeah. Stretch my legs, clear my, you know, clear my head. So last year, I brought my sweats and, like, my sneakers, and, like, I'm going to walk, get up at, like, 6 in the morning, make sure I'm, like, starting the day off fresh, and walk from our hotel. Most of the people for this event stay at the Sahara. Mm. And it's exactly 1.2 miles from the Sahara to my favorite coffee shop in Vegas called Vesta Coffee Roasters. Great coffee. First day, pretty uneventful, apart from the... Homeless woman screaming at a couple walking their dog. That's I'm like, dude. oh man, here we go. I'm like going right for her. And I'm about, I don't know, 25 yards from this woman. And she finishes screaming at the couple across the street. She turns, looks right right at me. And she goes, well, what do we have here? Yes. And I looked at her and I said, hey, good morning. How you doing? Nothing. Just nope. pr- pretty good. 
Super. Yeah, okay. And that was the end of it. She just walked away. I was like, oh, well, that went way better than I thought. First day was, you know, that was the only eventful thing that happened. Next Disarmed day. by being kind. Next day, almost get, like, had to, like, you know, throw haymakers. I'm standing on the corner next to the stratosphere. On my way back home, I'm smoking my cigar. I've got my coffee. And I am 20 feet from the only other person on the quarter. Lights are pretty long waiting for crosswalks in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Crossing the street towards the Carl's Jr. And then there's nothing else until I get back to the hotel. And all of a sudden I'm like, I feel something real close. And this guy is, I shit you not, two inches from the side of my head. Ooh. And I turn and stare at him. Kind of does that like head pop, you know, towards okay. me. And okay. I'm like, no freaking at you. No fucking way am I going to have to like fight this skinny kid. <laughs> On a, you know, 6.30 on a whatever Tuesday morning. So he walks back away, and I'm like, just please let him walk the other way. So I, I start walking pretty fast, and again, I feel that weird, like, there's somebody really close to me, and he's a foot behind me. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I pull up my phone and, like, whip around like I forgot something. Again, he stares at me and mumbles some stuff, and luckily just crossed the street, and I just booked it back to the hotel. <laughs> About eight months later, I like to get up in the morning, watch a little TV, maybe some YouTube videos, and I see this video pop up that says, the five worst areas in Vegas. Guess what number one is? Yeah. The area (laughs) between the Sahara and the Arts District. Yeah. The worst place to be by yourself any time of day in Vegas. And the problem is there's nothing there. It's like a bunch of empty lots. It's some, you know, a couple of kind of nicer looking apartments that have been slightly gentrified, but the rest is all like day motels Mm -hmm. and cheap, you know, pay by the month kind of shit. And there's nowhere to go. And there's a ton of homeless people that live there and they're super unpredictable and volatile, which is pretty Mm -hmm. typical of that whole population of humans in Vegas. It's just a weird spot. So... (laughs) This year we did, we decided to play it smart. We just Ubered, yeah. but it's it's a fantastic. If you ever go to Vegas, make your way to the Arts District. It's awesome. Yeah, I love I love the Arts area for sure. Why wouldn't you? I wanted to ask before we get to the question: it, Are there any trends that you're seeing in cigars right now? Like, is there is there are people shifting in one direction or another, preferring more mild, preferring more robust? Um, that's a good question. Um, there. Uh, there are a lot of cigar makers that are doing um, a thing that's becoming really common is one-offs that are made for a particular online retailer or a particular cigar shop. That's happening an awful lot. Um, you're seeing a lot of small brands pop up, um, you know, trying to, you know, toe in with uh, the Fuentes and the Padrones and the Davidoffs. Um, Lanceros are kind of towing their way back in. They're still not huge sellers, but you're mm-hmm. starting to see more of them. Um, it's still really common to see a lot of big ring-gauge cigars. That's mm-hmm. um, there, There's still a lot of that as more and more of the cigar-smoking public uh, gravitates towards those types of cigars. Never understand um, it. But apart from that, I'm trying to think. Um, there have been some really cool cigars that have come out that are... Um, like, I guess you could say hyper-regional. Like, there's an all-Mexican Puro, so it's made entirely, mm, yeah. you know, all three parts of the cigar, the filler, the binder, and the wrapper, all-Mexican. Um, you're starting to see some really unique stuff uh, in cigars with uh, unique wrapper leaves from various parts of the world. You're seeing some cool wrappers come from Brazil that have this really cool acidity and pepperiness to it. Um, there's a lot more of that coming out. Now, typically, 
the big cigar companies don't change too much. The other trend that's been really surprising is the ultra expensive premium cigars. I was going to say that if you everybody's did. coming out with like a hundred dollar cigar, yeah, every or, brand's got their one oh, dude, super expensive cigar. It's crazy, and people are buying it like hotcakes. Makes sense. I mean, tequila's doing it, whiskey's doing it. That's like, probably the Cubans, biggest trend right Cubans. now. Is the ultra like everybody's coming out with an ultra premium, like you know, super aged? Which I don't know. I'm I'm highly skeptical. No. Um, why not? People are buying them. You know, we don't. I say more power them, to them. Yeah, and if people are willing to pay a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars for a more regular good stuff for the rest of us. Absolutely. The thing is, there's so much good. If you're a cigar smoker, there's so many good cigars to smoke nowadays in that ten to fifteen dollar range that are delicious, just spectacular. Yeah. Delicious, delicious. Uh, well, we should cheers it up. We got a little uh, delicious Sip Smith Lemon Smash Gin from our good friends at Beam Suntory. Yes. Um, I love the fact that it uh, it has a lemon bent to it, but is not like pledge dusting flavored. Mm-hmm. Like I, I still have a taste aversion to a certain very popular rum that has a lemon flavor that I drank too much of in yeah. high school. Yeah. And I can't, I just can't, that smell, it's, there are certain cleaners that I can't use because it smells like that to me. <laughs> yeah. This actually tastes good. Like I've made just straight up martinis with it. I think it's great. Uh, we're currently drinking it with just house made seltzer, soda water. It's awesome. I love it. It's fragrant. It smells nice. Might that rum rhyme with a uh, buddy of all of ours? I will not answer that question. Name Zaccardi? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just, I, I pickled myself <laughs> at one point, and I just, I can't go back to it. We've all been there. But the yeah, Sip Smith is, is great. It's and delicious, yeah. They had a, they had a one-off I really enjoyed, and unfortunately, it was an LTO, limited, limited time offer, um, that was a strawberry gin, and now the only really actual yeah. taste like strawberry gin that I know of is uh, from Japan. Oh, really? It's absolutely incredible. Um is but it available around like in the is. US? It is. I'm blanking on the name of it, but I'll I'll look it up and, yeah, that's and awesome. we can throw it up in the the description maybe. Yeah. But yeah, this is I just love this. Sipsmith is they make really easy drinking, super affordable, like good bang for your buck. Yeah. Stuff. They have a London dry. Uh just check it out. There's actually two new flavors that are coming out this year, I believe. So just check them out. They always make quality products. And of course, shout out to our, our sponsors at Beam Centauri. Yes, thank Whenever you. Whenever I see this uh Sipsmith brand my brain always confuses it with, I think it's Seedlip, yep. the oh, non-alcoholic sure. or yeah. alcohol-free spirits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, this has got booze in it. Yay. Also, I realized, I believe I just, I, I was thinking about the strawberry. Uh, I believe I said lemon smash. This is for sure the faux shizzle lemon drizzle. Just a drizzle of lemon oh. all up in there. I, whenever I see a lemon on a, like a label for a beverage in particular, I always think it's going to taste overwhelmingly of lemon oil yeah yeah oh, yeah the oil of the lemon rind it's the easiest way to get the flavor in and it like mortifies me but this is really smooth it's just like a hint of citrus it's not overwhelming and in this form super refreshing yeah I would, this is way more delicious than i would have guessed for just a simple cocktail yeah i've made uh i made a bootlegger with this uh like six months ago seven months ago it was great it just added a little different depth because my bootlegger is lime based yeah. and having the sort of sweetness of lemon back around there, it wasn't super discernible and you probably wouldn't notice if you didn't know that was in there, but it was, it was just great. Um, I made a gin Ricky with this. It's awesome. Mm. 
You know, like, it, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy it. And again, I really find myself, we talk about this a lot, like in restaurants that we like and whatever. I really enjoy like a mid range, give me good value for, for my dollar. Like when I want to, I'll ball out. But for like hanging out and just sipping on something, I want something that I'm not like kind of feeling like I'm, I'm counting the dollars as I'm pouring it. For sure. You know, yeah. if, if I'm in that mindset, I have really nice stuff and just the fact that I'm pouring it is the celebration that I need. But stuff like this, like give me, give me all that stuff that's just right in that range of, I don't feel like I'm breaking the bank, but I yeah. know that I'm paying enough to get some really good quality. There. This feels super clean too. Yeah, I mean, this literally just this simple beverage with maybe a little half wheel of lemon and some cucumber. Oh man, come on, that's 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 all I would need on on a hot summer day too. You're doing your mise for some guests to come over for dinner. Maybe a you're sprig of grill. dill. Maybe a sprig of dill, yeah. And just enjoy one of these while you're prepping food. Fantastic. Cool. We might have to add this to the uh, highball, you know, yeah. rotation ish. Sure. Yeah, called Sprigadilly Circus. Crushable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's get into it. Charles, I believe you start her up. Did we cheers? We did cheers. Did we cheers? Hmm? But I'm done. <laughs> We're all finishing her. We're like done with these. So <laughs> they must be. Pretty fucking good. They're delicious. All right, Nate, topic number one. So right. I wouldn't dare ask you to select just one, but name a favorite cigar lounge anywhere in the world and tell us why. Ooh, a favorite cigar lounge anywhere in the world. And as always, you have a lot deeper of a library to look through, so while you're thinking about it, if you need to kick it around, you feel free. I might noodle for just one second. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my answer because uh, it's also a hat tip uh, to a gentleman who's not with us anymore. Uh, this place, I don't even know. I don't know if it exists. This was a long time ago, but my first time really being involved in straight up cigar culture was one of my trips to New York. Uh, my friend Rick had moved there from Boston and whenever I was there, we never got like a ton of time together, but he could always like get one night off cause he was bartending. So if I, I could go to his bar, but if I wanted to actually hang out with him, you know, we all know anybody in the service industry, like or friends, if you have never worked in the service industry and you have friends that do, just remind yourself that like them taking a night off isn't just about giving you the time. It's also giving up the couple hundred dollars they were going to make that night. So they're paying hundreds like, of dollars to hang out with like you. like they got a hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Rick and I hooked up and he was living in, uh, before Brooklyn got crazy gentrified, he was living in a teeny little apartment. And usually when we would go out, cause he never really went to the, to Manhattan that often we would go out like somewhere that, like lower East side or Chelsea or, or uh, meat packing district. And he was like, you know what? Let's go out in my neighborhood. So we go out, we're bar hopping. We hit this Irish pub and he sees a friend of his and he's like, Hey, do you guys want to come to the lounge? And he's like, ah, oh, I, I, I don't Quam, Do you smoke cigars? And I still smoke cigarettes at the time. And I was like, well, I'm not super familiar with them. But I'm I'm down. I'm li I literally finished a cigarette before we walked in, so clearly I'm at least tobacco friendly. So yeah, where where are we going? So in my head, I'm picturing I'm blanking on the name of it. Hudson is that where where you dropped your ring in the sink? Charles? That that cigar yeah. lounge. Hudson God, books. Hudson books and yeah. That's that yeah, feels. Right. I believe that's right. That's what I was picturing. Was like yeah. tons of dark wood, tons of yeah. leather. Mm -hmm. You know, dark carpet or dark stained floors, yep. chandeliers, because that's all I had ever seen in movies. And we go into this building, and I'm like, okay, well, that's clearly not it, because this is an old like tenement building. 
and we go up. It was either seven or eight floors. Walk up, and we're going. And I'm just like, okay, like I, this. It, are we going to this guy's apartment? Is that what it is? And uh, we go up on the roof, and they had built a cigar lounge on the roof, and it was open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. And it was like you had to tip like I don't know five or ten bucks to just come hang out. And then they had people like different people would bring like batched cocktails and you would hang out there. Oh, cool. And it's not that it was the nicest place. Like the, the few spots I've gone with you, Charles have been much nicer, but it was the first time that I really kind of got why people liked having cigars. Like I know Charles, you and I've talked about it. I feel like we've talked about it on the show before. Like, and this was before cell phone culture was crazy, but nobody was checking anything. Everybody was just chilling out on this rooftop, like looking out at the lights of the city, looking yeah. out at the lights of the Brooklyn Bridge, and just smoking cigars. It was only like um, like patio lights and Christmas lights, like the stringed lights. What time of year was this? Was it? It was. It would have been summer, okay. late spring, summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it was warm, but like we were just in shorts. Like nobody was overly dressed, but everybody looked nice. Yeah, and I beca- I still. I still feel this way because it was outside. I just felt like everybody was just like moving around and talking to each other. That's awesome. And they had like, it was basically like a corner, like a fourth of the rooftop was just, they put like AstroTurf down and then they just had all these different, like kind of funky, fun patio chairs and whatnot. They had tunes going, batch cocktails, and they just had a jar out, like throw money in if you're going to have drinks. Yep. And I talked to like seven people that I've, I've never talked to or seen again. But that night, like, we were all having the greatest time and, and just chatting. Yeah. And people were telling me about the cigars that they had. I literally had, like, one cigar that I knew that I liked, and I didn't have that, so I was, like, asking people. Yeah. And I literally had two that night and two wildly different cigars, but it was, like, it literally taught me right then, hey, that's a, that's a cool memory. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the, uh, in the teens, the, the 2000 teens, uh, Rick passed away. And uh, I had kind of like buried that memory until Charles sent this question. And uh, it's just a reminder also of like when, when you have a friend and they're asking you to go do a thing, like even if it's something that you don't think you'll like, like just go fucking do it. Yeah. Like I don't, I never would have picked if somebody was like stranger at the bar, like, Hey, you should go over to that cigar lounge. I'd be like, sure. And then not go. But it was my buddy and he was like, Hey, yeah, this sounds cool. Like, do you want to go? And he said it was a fun time. And it was like, we had plans for the rest of the night and we just hung out there for like two and a half hours. Then we went back to the Irish pub, had some shots, had another Guinness and we went home and it was like a perfect night. Yeah. And that was, that was where I like, I got it. You're good about that too. I think everyone in this room is good about that, but it's, it's a nice reminder for yeah. people, you know, like earlier today I was at our cigar lounge that we we all frequent here in Minneapolis and I was talking about just like the art of just starting you know like just tell yourself read one page of this book and next thing you know you read 60 pages because you like make yourself do it but sometimes it's an experience presents itself and just allowing yourself to be open to the experience you don't have to stay mm-hmm. You can have a drink and leave yeah. if you're not enjoying yourself, or you can have a glass of water and leave if you're not enjoying yourself, or you might end up smoking two cigars and hanging out for three and a half hours and realizing it's a formative experience in a relationship with someone that eventually, and you don't know what at the time, you weren't going to be able to hang out with anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it like, I think back to that night and there's just these like, 
like a good, good friend of mine, uh, who Charles, you've met, uh, Jessica, she lived in Brooklyn for years and moved back during COVID because being trapped in an 800 square foot fifth floor walk up was not conducive to good mental health living yeah, by yourself. Totally. Um, like when she tells me about her life in Brooklyn, that's what I picture. You know, it wasn't, there was, there wasn't any like, Hey, Oh, this guy, it's none of that bullshit. It was humans from all different walks of life, all just choosing to hang out on a breezy night on a summer in the summer on a rooftop talking and bullshitting. I remember, um, the, the music, like we don't, we don't have a Spanish language station here in the Midwest anywhere, really, maybe in Chicago. But uh, like half the time we were listening to Spanish language music and I just kept being like, what, what is this? And then somebody would come over and be like, oh, this is this and this and this. I remember uh, I heard, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar or if our listeners are familiar. There's an incredible band called Ozo Motley that's been around forever. They're absolutely amazing. And that was the first time I had an Ozo Motley CD because Charlie Tuna from Jurassic 5 rapped on two of the songs. That was the only reason I oh. ever found out about it. And I heard an Ozo Motley song on a radio. Like, I didn't know that other people even knew that band. And they're like, what are you talking about? They tour the fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> but I just had, I had a smaller world at that time. Yeah. And I just didn't know that. And that, that experience, like that was, it was so quintessential of like what you see in a movie. And I like, I got to be a part of that. And it was all because he was like, Hey, I'm going to go have a cigar at the lounge. You should come bring your friend. And we just went. Yeah. Like that's, I don't know. That's it. And to me, like still when I hang out in your backyard, like that's the same vibe that you give is like, come one, come all yeah. hang out, slow down. Same thing with Connor yeah. that evening. Yeah. Our Connor Champley, our director, we just posted about him on our social media because he was just named a up, upcoming rising director. Yeah. 2024 is, rising okay. director and producer. Super dope. Yeah. So he, we met with him to discuss the video that we were shooting in New York. And he said, do you guys want to go drink scotch and smoke cigars? And I was like, there's nothing. I'd, <laughs> I I'd was rather like, do we, more than that. Were you doing research on Charles before we got here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hudson Bar, it is Hudson Barn Books. Hudson Barn Books. There you go. Place. Super tight. Like, it's very narrow, but really classy, obviously books everywhere. They're not trying to be ironic. Everybody's dressed really nicely. You're like, where's the, where's the back? And then you realize that there's a little stairwell that pops up behind the bar and people just disappear. It looks like they're doing that little stupid stair trick that you do <laughs> behind the couch. Like when you were a kid and you tried to do it behind the couch. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. But those types of experiences, right? If we were like, nah, we're good, then we wouldn't have had that. I wouldn't have lost my ring and got it back, by the way. That's, the, that's why it's a good story. We got these beautiful tacos and then you know, went to the station and, and then went back and drank more. Actually. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. <laughs> that's awesome. So as I've been thinking about it, um, trying to, you know, pinpoint one, I, I'm, I'm going to give three cigar shops. Um, two are here in Minnesota that share equal uh, fondness in my heart. Uh, one is called Tobacco Grove. I've frequented that shop the longest. Uh, boy, well over 15 years, if not longer than that. 17 years, maybe even. Uh, and another shop called Ramsey Smoke Shop. And I love those shops because I'm so invested and so committed to the friendships with the staff, the owners. Um, you know, the kind of thing where you get them birthday presents or, you know, I just turned 50 two weeks ago. And you walk in and they're like, 
happy birthday, buddy. Come on in here in the humidor. We're going to, hey, here's a Padron 50 years because that seems, you know, absolutely fitting. Right. You don't get that until you've earned it and been to those mm-hmm. shops for a while. Those are those are the comfortable places for me. I go there all the time. One is four minutes from my house. The other is 15. I love those places. But stepping outside of Minnesota, there's a, a small shop in Yucaipa, California. Um, wait, 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 where is Yucaipa? So, <laughs> so we got to start there because I've yeah. never heard of this, and I'm excited. That's just fun to say. So, if Yucaipa. you were like, if you were starting in LA, you know, you'd go east, heading towards, let's say, like Riverside, and then you go up into the mountains, like you were going to go up to Big Bear, if you've ever heard of Big Bear. And as you're heading up into the mountains towards Big Bear, Yucaipa is one of the towns you can kind of go through, or that's sort of on the way. And you make your way, and like from where my daughters go to college, uh, in Azusa, which is about an hour straight east of L.A., downtown L.A., on Route 66. It's a yeah, it's probably an hour and 20 minutes to this cigar shop, so it's a bit of a drive. Uh, but you go up into the mountains, so you go through this town called Yucaipa, and you start snaking back through what looks like the hills and set from Little House in the Prairie kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff that was nowhere near the prairie, but that's where they filmed it. So you go up and you end up at this place called the Oak Glen Orchards, which is a, a loop road that is just, as you make your way and hit the first one, there's like, I don't know, 10 or 12 different orchards. There are Some of them are wedding venues. One of them's a theater in addition to a wedding venue. Sure. And it is the coolest spot. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And in the back of a shop called the Wilshire, I think it's called the Wilshire Apple Shed, is a cigar shop called the Oak Glen Tobacconist. And it is in, I think, an 1890s rail car attached to the back of that general store. One half of it is his lounge with, I don't know, six seats, and the other half is his small humidor. But what's so great about this shop is uh, the owner, Eric Drazen, and his wife, Mallory, I want that to be Eric Draven so bad. Yeah, right. Lead character of the crow. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's so, it can't rain all the time. Right? Sorry. So he does such a great job and is so passionate about introducing people to um, really unique and new and interesting boutique cigars and some, uh, you know, more mainstream ones. But he's so passionate about it. He's got such a cool location that I just love going there when I'm out in L.A. and visiting him because yeah. it's such a cool shop. You know, and then you can go in his... In, into the rail car and then go out kind of the the back sliding doors, if you will. And then he's got basically like a permanent carport, you know, that he's got set up with a bunch more chairs and this beautiful mountains and orchard kind of uh, to the backdrop. You know, when it gets hot in the summer, he's got misters and he's just got a great, uh, great clientele. It's just a really cool shop. And that's one of those that's just super unique and it just kind of has a special place in my heart. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Red. Love that. What about you, Charles? I just like restaurants and, and like cocktail bars and things like that. I always seek out like the nicest of things. Not necessarily like the highest echelon, but just like Carnegie Club in New York or um, Casa di Monte Cristo in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Like I love those places. They're fantastic. I feel like a sense of warmth every time I enter them. They're Super classy. They can serve you alcohol. That you'll notice is probably a key for someone like myself because where we reside in Minnesota, you cannot buy a drink and a cigar 
anywhere. We Correct. just, it's not, that's not something we can do where we live. But given my trip that I just went on with Derek Reed of Club Caraway, my answer is going to be Maduro in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm. Oh, and I have a very, I have a great fondness for that place. I've been going there for 15 years at this point because I started going there when they were doing Bell's Tap takeovers for the Great Taste of the Midwest, which is the best beer festival in the United States. Correct. And I went there for Bell's beer with friends, walked in, and people are smoking cigars. And I said, you can smoke cigars in here? And they're like, it's called Maduro. And I was like, well, I didn't necessarily think that that was the reason why. Or even, I didn't even realize at the time that it was legal to buy alcohol and smoke cigars in the state of Wisconsin. Because even there, there are just not that many of those mm-hmm. places so i was elated to smoke a cigar at that time and every time i visited since and it's one of the reasons that i like to drive to chicago it's because i like to stop in madison wisconsin it's a wonderful town yep derek had never been to madison wisconsin come on silly and man. when we were electing to Is either that right? fly or, yeah he hadn't been until we went awesome and when we were deciding whether to fly or to drive i said listen i've been to chicago 70 times, I've flown twice. I like to make that adventure, and I like to stop in Madison on the way there for an evening many times. Most times, yeah. So would you like to check out Madison, Wisconsin, and go to this beautiful cigar bar? You can't buy a drink and a cigar in Chicago either. Uh, uh, uh. And we agreed, yeah, let's do it. So we went, and I was like, I'm going to show you the city. You've never been here. It's beautiful. Lots of great things to do and eat and drink. And we went to a bar called Settle Down Tavern. We got these beautiful burgers and a couple little apps, settled in at our rooms. And then we realized Maduro was super close by from from where we were when we were at Settle Down Tavern. And I said, well, I want to take you to this bar about a mile and and a third from here uh, called Gibbs, but... Maduro's right there. So why don't we go in and have a cigar and then we'll decide what we want to do from there. So we get into Maduro and it's it's nothing fancy. It's like someone built a really cool, somewhat, at the time, swanky cigar bar in like 2008, which yep. is around when they started, I think. Sure. I don't remember exactly. I think they've been around. Eh, they, they may have been around like 22 years, something like that. So it's comfortable you know they got these like cheap looking leather couches but it's like a nice big classic bar you can tell this has been a bar for ages really friendly bar staff literally one person working and this small cabinet of cigars that they say is curated by like someone else it sounds like a third party but good wines good beer they'll make you a cocktail mostly classic cocktails so we sit down we get comfy we smoke our cigars cigars are down in the nubs Look at him and I say, do you want another cigar or should we go somewhere else? Another cigar. He says, oh man, I'm really enjoying myself. What do you think? And I said, well, I feel like another cigar and then we can decide what to do. We finish our second cigar. I look at him and I say, is there anything you feel like you would be happier doing than what we're doing here right now? (laughs) That's a great question to ask. Yeah. I love that. And he said, no. And I said, that's the reason I asked you that that way because I, I would like to show you more of the city, but... If you're enjoying yourself as much as I am, let's light another cigar. Mm-hmm. And we just sat there all night, chain smoking cigars, drinking way too much, 
and uh, stumbling back to our hotel. So the whole experience of being in Madison was literally just eating it, settled down to Amarin, and then spending the whole night at Maduro. But it has that, that kind of like... That awesome, com- actually. Yeah, yeah, it has that like comfortable vibe. Mm-hmm. It does. You know, it just feels... It feels like a cafe, but you smoke cigars and you drink and everybody's friendly and laughing. And that's really all you're looking for anywhere you go to smoke cigars. And, you know, like uh, we've all experienced it. And Kwame, you're saying like when you were at the at that particular cigar bar on, on that rooftop, there's there is definitely like a palpable sense that people would rather have a cigar in one hand and a drink in the Correct. other than have... A cell phone in either one of those hands. That's and it. it's, yeah, isn't that like a wonderful thing to feel? It's a mutual agreement to slow down and to talk to each other. Absolutely. And I think that that's uh, that's absolutely what 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 draws me to it because I'm not good at that. Like I'm really not good. I, at that. I love that idea, Charles, of just staying in a moment and not going somewhere maybe cooler just to go see it. I would much prefer to be with people I love spending time with doing something I really enjoy. You're like, do you want to just scrap like this really great meal we're about to have and just like DoorDash some stuff or just stay here and keep doing this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I have skipped several really good meals in Vegas on work trips because we're having great conversation at the cigar bar. I'm like, I just don't want to go. I want to stay here and have another cigar and spend more yeah. time with all these people who I really love and don't get to see Nearly enough. Wisdom comes with age and, you know, different people sort of arrive at that conclusion at different times. I'm still learning. I'm, I'm kind of on a, I'm on like a little bit of a grade, but there was a period, you know, I would say 10 years ago where I had to do everything, everything. And I'm to the point now where I, I feel like I only have to do the things that are going to bring me enjoyment at that time. So it's not about being a completionist and collection, collecting experiences or saying that you went to all the Michelin stars. When we were in Paris, I canceled the two-star Michelin on the last night because I looked at Mari while we were walking down a bridge and I said, would you rather be outside walking around figuring out what we want to do as we pass by and like smell stuff or like see people clinking glasses of wine or would you like to go to this place? And she said, let's just keep adventuring. And we lost our deposit and it was fine because why do that if it doesn't bring you enjoyment? There's, there's no sense in it. And that's not something I would have been able to do 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I'd have been like, I got to go because I need to experience it. And I paid the deposit, even though I might be happier doing something else. Nothing exactly. we can do about it. You got to go. Yeah. I, I also, I do want to say, I, I really love the way that you phrased that when you said, is there something that would bring you more joy or something you would enjoy more than what we're doing right now? Yeah, yeah. Instead of saying, do you want to go somewhere else? Because when you say, do you want to go somewhere else? You're, even if you're not intending it, you're sort of inferring that you might be a little bit bored and you want them right. to come up with something. Yes. Whereas the way that you framed it is, I am enjoying this and you seem to be too. Is there something else that you're thinking of that would bring you more happiness than the joy that we're already having? You're literally, mm. you're inferring that we're having a really good time. I just want to make sure there isn't something that you really wanted to do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I said it that way because yeah. he hadn't been to the city, but honestly, I think it's a good way to say it no matter where you yep. are. I totally so that, agree. Like it, it kind of, it, it makes it a more of like an even uh, tenor of, of the conversation. Cause it, it does sound like if you say like, uh, where else do you want to go? Or is there somewhere else you want to go? That's like going, well, and slapping your knees, you know what I mean? But if you say, is there anywhere that you would, like to go that you think would bring you more enjoyment than where we are right now that makes you think about like no you know what i am 
perfectly content sitting yep. right here. Yep. I'm having a wonderful time here. And it gives somebody the grace to say, actually, there is a thing that I really wanted to do. Totally. I love this, but I do really want to do that. Cool. Then I'm then good to go. That. Yep. I'm also here to, to co-pilot with you. So yes. yeah, if you've got a thing you want to do, like do it. <laughs> I, I just really, I haven't thought about it that way. And I thought you framed that really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Because so often that the, the former way of saying it adds a little bit of pressure. Like, I don't know, do I want to go somewhere else? I don't know. I'm really happy here, but maybe they want to go somewhere else. So I think I will. Well, and especially for all of our listeners that might live somewhere out. where passive aggressiveness is sort of baked into it. That's <laughs> it's such a way of like, are you actually asking me that question, or are you saying I don't want to be here anymore, but I want you to tell me that we should go? It's a oh, classic yeah. mom. Well, I guess if that's what you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Nate's exactly. a great guest for that particular wavelength of thought too, because he and I frequently talk about how people don't say what. They mean to say enough and we've shared articles about it and stuff because that's kind of what you're doing is you're saying like, I'm open, but I'm not encouraging you to stay or leave. Mm -hmm. You know, people who are passive aggressive will find ways to phrase that. It's literally like brand copywriting, like copywriting I do for brands Mm -hmm. where you're saying something without saying just that thing. Mm -hmm. You're, but you're saying it, Mm -hmm. you're saying it, but you're not really saying Uh it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. Fuck that. <laughs> Just say what the fuck is on your mind. It's way. It's a way better way to live. So Just, I'll cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers, Just, fellas. Just be like the Dutch. <laughs> that Dutch. Uh, all right. Question number two. Who has your favorite version of a dish that most people know and or love? Something that's somewhat ubiquitous. Who's got your favorite version of one of those things, and what is it? I love this. I love this question. And if you want to kick it to Charles, you absolutely can, too. Oh, I got to go hot dogs. Because <laughs> for for those that don't know what I used to do from, you know, the couple other times I was on the podcast or... Never saw me at the cart. Used to run a hot dog cart called Nate Dogs. Best hot dogs in America. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. And I still love hot dogs. And I still can't wait to get to the state fair to have an about a foot long hot dog. There you go. That's it. I love it. What it, is it? Uh, do, do, ooh, I should ask. What What are the What are your toppings now? I I was always a. Griddled onions and mustard okay. guy, and I actually did that with my own hot dog cart for mm-hmm. the first several years. And as I progressed year after year, I was like, you know what? Kind of just like mustard. Sure. So now when I get a hot dog, I'll get like one with onions and mustard. Like the first one was just mustard, and then I'll do another one with onions and mustard just to mix mm-hmm. it up. And they're both delicious, but I... So you're going for two feet of two. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the most I ever the most I ever had at the state fair, in and amongst a long list of other foods. Yeah. I had nine footlongs. What? In Whoa. basically right, Kobayashi. Right. Thirteen hours at the Minnesota State Fair, like eight in the morning till almost nine at night. Just crushing. And I got pictures of all of them. Like I took a picture with what you know, number one, number two, and I Number you how nine, many? You had nine? Nine. The Holy only one shit. that kind of was a little bit like, oh, we're just squeezing that in there. That's what she said. Hi. 
were you I, just were you sweating salt out of your skin? I wasn't. It was fantastic. That's amazing. Oh my yep, god. Yep, I had nine. And the before I had the ninth <laughs> one on the way out of the fair, because we always park at the Minnesota State Fair in the parking lots across from the Coliseum. And like all the cows and the animals and whatnot. And there is an about a foot long stand right on the corner of the Coliseum. So I had my ninth one on the way out, but right before that, I'd eaten like an order and a half of the cream cheese stuffed deep fried pickles. Mm. I do. Wow. That's that, that just so slightly maybe pushed me over the edge. I was like, oh, yep, now I'm finally full. We have, uh, we have talked about the state fair on the show before, but for our listeners that maybe don't have a great one in their state or to folks in other countries that don't have state fairs, uh, it's a giant outdoor festival that here goes for 12 days. And uh, there's rides and there's food and there's concerts and there's crazy shit and people sell stuff. And the only one here in Minnesota, the only one that's bigger in the country is Texas. Right. And Texas has six times more people than we do. And we're very similar in the size and the revenue generated by said state fair. I think we have more people per capita, like per day. Yep. Per capita yes. that go to our fair than Texas does. We do. It lasts much longer. Yeah, there's like close to a month. Like a month or yeah. 40 days or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, it is a weird badge of honor that we have here. Yeah. That it really is. We call it the great Minnesota get together. It's uh, it is a chance that you can see literally the population by population. You can see one sixth of the state <laughs> at one time. If you want, it's insane. And it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nuts to me. Yeah, so that it. would that would be my. Dish, I can't. I mean, I can't get mad at choice. The, we we have bonded much over our love of hot dogs. Yes, and I I understand that very much because that is one of the things that I look forward to, very very much. Yep, yep. It makes me happy. Yeah, Charles, known hot dog lover. I was seeing of our friends in Austria have a fair. Australia shout, or Austria? Austria. I had to shout out Austria. Yeah. Hey, whoa! Come on. We have friends in Australia too, but uh, Austria. I was just gonna make sure, like, hey, we're we're homies with all of them. You guys want to hear a dumb fact, <laughs> listeners? We're ranked in the top ten in Austria for based podcasts. Hey, still the greatest choir concert I've ever performed in Austria. There you go. They know you. They're like Ben Quan. We know that motherfucker. I remember his voice. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say, and this seems like an obvious answer, but it's like a. Well, teaser for our video series, yeah, Scars buddy. Pizza, Scars Pizza. And what's interesting about Scars is since we've filmed our content, which is not yet released, you'll be able to see it very soon, I promise you. It looks so good. When we went there, it still kind of had this esteem that it like it's great, obviously, but not everybody's talking about it. Now everybody, I feel like every corner I turn, someone's talking about Scars, and then I'll send Kwame a link and go, wow, Scars is like world fucking famous now. Scars is spectacular. They mill their own flour. It's the only place in New York that mills their own flour and sells pizza by the slice, and they sell full pies. And it's just perfect. It's the perfect New York slice. They also do these grandma's pies that we had. They're like that cheesy slice yeah. that, we, that we couldn't get in. It was the first day we went we could yeah. get a New York slice. Also spectacular. It was kind of like a like Sicilian style, yeah. like thick crust, rectangle cut. Oh, like Rome Rome does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yep. very Roman. Yeah, right, yep. for sure. With like bubbly cheese. When oh, we looked in the window. That and we cheese knew, pull was ridiculous. Well, we knew we couldn't get New York slices that day. There's something wrong with the oven. And they were, you know, brave enough to say that it's just not an option right now. 
And then it was like, well, what can we do? We're all the way up, and we've just been standing in line for a really long time. And they're usually pretty brisk, but because of the, the oven being broken, it changed the dynamic. We looked in the window, and I saw that when you see white cheese that is borderline burnt on the top, mm-hmm. that for me makes me horny instantly. Same. I was like, are you fucking kidding? So then we were like, let's let's have that. And it's it was all it was all white because it was. I think it was like ricotta. Yeah, it was like a, a whipped ricotta with yeah, some with, garlic in there. With mozz on top of yeah. it. Yeah. Fucking dynamite. But the New York slice, I love a New York slice. It's my favorite pizza. And for me, they're head and shoulders. I, there's a lot of places that I enjoy. But when I have a scar slice, I am instantly just like, it's it's that like close your eyes, New York pizza slice mm-hmm. with the that like delicately crispy bottom that still folds perfectly without cracking and then nice salty red tomato sauce and really gooey cheese that's just that's it that's all i want and that's what i think of whenever i think of a new york slice and it's what i compare every other new york slice to whether or not i'm in new york if someone's like we're making a new york slice or we make new york pizza here in my head, I'm like, if it's anything like Scars, especially if I'm not in New York, I'm like, like Minnesota, if it's anything like Scars, I will eat this all the fucking time. Give me that. I even said that. Okay, I said that about the grandma slice. Yeah. I said, okay, if they made this slice, which is not their New York slice, if they made this at a restaurant in Minneapolis, I'd be eating this 100%. all the time. Absolutely. It was so good. I, I loved, I'm so glad that we, that we went there. I'm glad we waited through that ridiculous line because of the oven. And hey, shit happens. And for the most part, people were pretty cool. So I got to give them props on that too. I was waiting for a couple of people to just like lose their minds on the staff. Yeah. And people were a little grumpy, but they were, I didn't and see anybody be like over chill. the top. Where of is thing. Scar's Pizza again in New York? It is the Lower East Side. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I I will say this. So the first day that you and I went Quam mm-hmm. and they didn't have the New York slice, we had the grandmas. It was great. Second time we went, we were recording. And it was still great, but we were recording. So it wasn't like the 100% authentic, like pie in your hand, pie to your mouth experience. So it's like Cody Rhodes trying to win the title at WrestleMania. I think. Next time I'll finish my be, story. You'll finish your you'll finish your <laughs> scar story the next time. That's gonna be the glorious time when we're not recording and the oven's nope. not broken. When, that's the time I'm gonna be most excited. If I if I'm there with you, I'm not, that's cool too, but I wanna hear about it. Just having the slice when yeah. it's just they put it right in your fucking hand and you're like, chomp. What's your <laughs> topping of choice when you get that classic New York slice? So the okay, there's there's two ways to look at this. Holistically, if you're going to judge a New York slice, it's got to just be cheese. Right. It's like the bar stool, right? If you're judging it. Yeah, not really. Not bar stool. What's the, what's the New York pizza guy? There's a New York pizza tour guy. I forget his oh, name. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But he, okay. says, like, he says, like, just do cheese. And I sure. understand it is because. It's like if vanilla. Yeah. If, if you're judging the pizza. Yeah. On the components of the pizza, that's separate than judging, like, a pepperoni on what it is composed of. But I'll say it would be pepperoni for a New York okay. slice. I almost always res- resort to that. Escars, they do um, pepperoni jalapeno hot honey. Awesome. Ooh. Great slice. Awesome. And it's it's great. It's it's perfect. Awesome. Never met That sounds that. awesome. 
I'm torn between two, and one is a drink and one is a dish. Mm. So I'm I'm gonna go with my dream like together. So I guess <laughs> okay. I'll daily double. It. <laughs> I've been going back and forth while you guys have been talking, and I can't decide which one. And I'm so I'm just gonna say both. Uh, I had a discussion. What made me think of this was uh, I was talking about like the best fish and chips that I've ever had, and a friend of mine was like, "It's fish and chips. Like, how can it possibly be different?" And there are two that have changed my life. And one is at a small corner cafe in Iceland. And I don't remember the name. I tried looking it up. I can't get there. But the only one that I've gone back to multiple times is Brigelofte in Bergen, which is literally what used to be the main boathouse when the ships would come in. That has now, like in the actual, the harbor now, it's all touristy it's like a unesco heritage site and so the the three-story boathouse is now two different restaurants and a bar and both times that i've gone there i've gotten sat at a table that's on the window overlooking the harbor and you're looking out at those beautiful like blue and yellow and red yes like just all the way down the harbor and i'm eating fish that came from right there and they're like it's just that's it you know and i've i've been to one of the oldest fish and chip shops in dublin and that was absolutely life-changing and getting to meet the guy after like i watched a documentary about this guy and then i got to actually like i didn't know he still worked there and so like i got to meet this dude and he was like giving a shit and joking around because our friend was vegan and he was like he was like oh so like extra batter and she's like no went back and forth and he's like i'm just kidding i can grill you something if you're okay but there we do cook burgers on there. And she's like, yeah, I can't do that. And so he's like, how about this? There's two restaurants down the street that have vegan cuisine. Go get food and just bring it back here. Like, awesome. I would just love for you to hang out in the restaurant yeah. and eat. Like, those are those are great, great memories. But these fucking, this filet was like the size of a brick. And it was perfect. And like, you crack through it and the pieces just fall out. And oh, Like perfect cod. I'm, I'm assuming yep. it was probably haddock. Yep. yep. Or cod doesn't really matter, but you like the chunks. Where the they giant just, chunks. And they're soft and they're delicious. Yeah. Oh, what, is like it, the, what is it about like polygonal fish? Like when when fish is is like a big rectangle, yep. when it's a block, Yep. It, there's something about that that's so attractive. It's so, it I is. love it. Also, it is. <laughs> polygonal fish, I'm in on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like halibut, you know, yep. or cod, or oh, haddock. Yeah. Like oh. A big chunk. But oh, at, my gosh. as I was driving here, uh, I was listening to a, podcast and coconut was referred to and i did i did think about fucking pina coladas are everywhere they're in every coconut yeah they're in every fucking resort town they're in half of the bars in the landlocked midwest i'm sure they're in northern canada i've always hated them i don't like coco lopez cream coconut sauce or whatever i just i've i've hated making them i've thrown blenders downstairs i've un- you really I've, oh absolutely i've cut the i've cut the cord on blenders so i didn't have to make them like i hate this drink and then we That's found awesome. ourselves in san juan and we were walking down the street and the carib hilton was there and i went inside and i said you know what if i'm gonna like a fucking pina colada it's gonna be in the hotel bar where it was invented and sure as shit when you're in a tropical climate and they're using fresh pineapple and it's three parts pineapple to one part coconut and then they're pouring in rum that's made two miles to the left that shit is amazing 
Yep. And I yep. feel like between those two, I couldn't decide which one was like more life changing. Yeah, but it changed everything. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I now don't hate that drink. Yeah. yeah. I will, I will make them, but for myself, because yep. I have to be in charge of the recipe. Yeah. Because we yeah. just we don't we don't make them right anywhere that I've been. And I just I to me that's like it was, and then you know you look around, and it's like. 1950s like art deco-ish style like you're waiting to see like felix lighter and james bond meeting at a table to discuss what they're gonna do and like <laughs> there's like palm trees in the 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 little atrium in the middle yeah like that that if also that's that's where you're gonna fucking enjoy a pina colada yeah you know like i don't need even if it's non-dairy even if it's coconut cream i don't need that on a beach but boy that was you know 76 degrees and sip it on that in the middle of an afternoon. Awesome. Like, that's, it's perfect. I don't need that on a beach. Have either of you guys been? Not on a beach. <laughs> have either of you guys been to Rome? I have no. not. I've only done okay. Northern Italy. So, I haven't, I've really only been to two places in Europe. Uh, Rome and a couple places around uh, that part of Central Italy. And then Crete. And when we were in Rome, we ended up going with our friends who we traveled with. And their relatives who were living in Rome at the time, which was great. To Alfredo's on Piazza Navona mm. where Fettuccine Alfredo mm-hmm. was created, I guess, as the story goes for a couple Hollywood actors. Sounds right. And when you have the original Fettuccine Alfredo, which is literally just a pile of noodles on a shit ton of delicious melted salted butter covered in a mound of freshly shredded cheese and they toss it enough to mix the butter and melt the cheese to make a creamy sauce, and they put it on your plate, and you eat it immediately. Do they? Is it like cereal, and then they just pour the skim milk over it? No milk. <laughs> no. no milk. Dude, like cereal, though. They just pour the skim milk table side. That would be maybe... <laughs> it's Italian cereal. It's <laughs> <Fettuccine> <laughs> Alfredo, come on. The blue skim milk, yeah. It's for Bebe Alfredo. Yeah. Frostino Flaccios. <laughs> but it was great when you have a dish, and you're like, there's no... F- fucking cream in this at all yeah yet my girls all love any sort of pasta and cheese of course at every restaurant they go to that's all they ever want and then we think the real like the actual original dish even though it's not traditionally like an italian pasta dish it's delicious because it's great cheese and it's butter and it's noodles and that's it and it was really good macaroni and cheese for grown-ups i'm in pretty much (laughs) you know and if you wait literally three minutes it's Lumpy, curdled, like yep. you just no, you, gotta you it. house it. That's all you can do. I mean, it's like when you make cacio e pepe, if you mm-hmm. do it properly, it will homogenize. Mm-hmm. But I think most people aren't careful about it because it can also be an easy to prepare dish. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, black pepper and some, some fucking cheese. Mm-hmm. But if you do it the right way, it homogenizes and that itself becomes a creamy sauce mm-hmm. and there's no cream present. Correct. Beautiful thing. Just good pasta water. Beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Get them storches. Storches. Get them storches. Uh, who is next? Oh, yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers, Cheers. y'all. Uh, I'm drinking this Sip Smith straight now. I know you referred to it earlier, but uh, Charles, you just got back from a road trip. And uh, I think that a road trip is something that people everywhere. What's that? You, you made a weird face. That's really good. Yeah, it's super good. Well, I'm drinking it straight now. I thought you made it look like I jumped you on a question. And no, I was no, like, no, oh, no, shit. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's dark in here because it's sexy in, in the Semple Mansion. But I, 
That was my first sip that I took straight of that Sip Smith. Well, I'm going to do that next then. Dude, it's it's, that is really nice. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I also, I also, I will say, I also really love it. Um, I put it in the freezer and let it get sure. like a little bit oh, more viscous. Yeah. Mm. And it like that lemon coats your mouth, but not overpoweringly. Like, I really, really love that. This kind of reminds me, like, if you really diluted down a delicious limoncello. Yep. That, like, beautiful lemon that's just in the background. Yeah. Lemon drizzle for shizzle? You'd almost shizzle. think it's like verbena or something is in the oh, botanical sure. bill that it's, there's, that it's not infused in any way with some sort of lemon component. Yep. You might just think it's a gin that has mm-hmm. some some sort of a, a, an herb that has a that flavor. Facts. It's sure. really good. For sure. But anyway, with the question, yeah. uh, road trips are ubiquitous around the world. Like, everybody knows what that's like. You're committing to a good amount of time. Um, what is what is your sort of like favorite thing about a road trip? And do you have any like rituals that you have to do? Absolutely. Um, I I love driving. I am the son of a dad who also absolutely loves driving, always has. And my wife and our five girls have been committed for like as long as we've been married that when we road trip, we try to go for the most part, back roads as much as possible. Mm. Oh. Try to find the little mom and pop diners. Like, am I going to find lunch in this little town? Like, is there going to be anything open that we can have? That That's a ritual that we always have. And we, on one trip in particular, we were coming back from my wife's parents in uh, the foothills just outside of Denver, Evergreen, Colorado. And... We went up and stayed with some friends that built a ranch of sorts in uh, eastern Wyoming. And as we were going north through Wyoming to go through Rapid City and head back to Minnesota just to avoid going through the, I'm going to say it, the armpit that is Nebraska. <laughs> because anyone that has to go to Colorado through Nebraska, it's it's the most, Ben, you mentioned earlier how like this dreary day here in Minnesota yeah. just made you not want to work at all. Yeah. Everything about Nebraska is dreary like today in Minnesota. It's just brown and bland. And there there are really cool parts of Nebraska. Omaha's awesome. Um, there's some great spots. But at any rate, we were going the other way. My theory is if you're going to Nebraska, Nebraska has some really cool shit to do. Yes. If you're going through Nebraska, awful. it is the longest state it's on awful. earth. It's awful. Yeah. People will, at any rate. <laughs> That's, a good so way. That's a good way. We went up through Wyoming and we're cut, we're going back roads to get to Rapid City because we were staying kind of south of Rapid City, like near these hot springs at the, whatever hotel we were at. And we knew there was like this town that we were going to come up on, and our girls were relatively small at the time. And it's dark, and we're like pushing dinner time where kids are going to start to like lose their mind. And we we get off the the back road onto an even more back road. We're like. I don't think anything's open in this fucking town. And we find this one place that had a light on, and we're like, I think that's a restaurant. And there were people in there. It was like the most Minnesota Midwestern home cooking that I have ever had in my life, and it was fantastic. It was like, like home cooking or like a restaurant, a Minnesota restaurant? Like a Minnesota restaurant home cooking, almost like mixed okay. with like – a school cafeteria that actually tasted great. Okay. I can and get it was that. 
one, we were all just really hungry, and it was so enjoyable because there was, like, not another light on in the town. Mm. <laughs> and there was nowhere else to go other than to go, like, another hour or so to Rapid City where our kids would be losing their minds. Yep. And we pull in, and, like, I want to say the, the, the high chairs, like, actually attached to the table. Yeah, let's Not go. Not one that you pulled up, like, it literally no, it, had the hook it, on. It hooks on, yep. And the, and the server was just awesome, and, like, one of our dishes came out, and it was, like, had cheese in it. It was literally just a square of American cheese melted on the top, <laughs> and it was awesome. Every but part of it was Not great. even melted. It just sort of congeals in its... Correct. In it's its geographic. It's like a yeah. solid... It doesn't even <laughs> melt Geometric out. Form, yeah. It just melts mm-hmm. and stays like a classic square. Yeah, like diner hash browns with cheese yes. on it. Yes, yes, like Waffle House. It's just House. sitting there. It just sits there. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> So when we road trip, we try to look like one of my goals on any road trip is like if I can end up getting to know some complete stranger and they invite me back to their house for, heaven forbid, a cigar, that would be like the top of the the mountain. But a meal and just to hang out with their family, that's like the that's the pinnacle of a road trip and travel. And so when we go off the beaten path, there's just so much more interesting stuff than this stupid you know, freeway. And so we go almost always off the beaten path. And that's my that. favorite thing about road trips. That's awesome. I love that in theory, but I also, if I have a destination, I just want to get there. Oh so, yeah. But sorry, Charles, what do you, uh, what's your story? Well, so that's interesting. Cause it's a little bit of a combination of those factors because honestly, I don't enjoy driving on a day to day basis. I don't like it the least little bit. It's, I, I'm I'm at ease. My mindfulness exercises help with this too. I know I'm going to get there, so it's not about road raging or anything. It's just that I understand that it's a utility for me to be somewhere that I'm not presently. But the exception is road tripping. I really do enjoy when you have, you know, it's like a relaxed pace. You're getting somewhere when you get there. You, you know, I never want to race on a road trip. Never. I want to just get there when I get there. Yep. I don't want to be like, oh, shit, it says six hours in one minute, and I have to be there in six hours and two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare scenario. No, thank you. Referring back to, like, the road trip with Derek, it's that the the entire idea of that it's the journey, not the destination. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's one of the reasons that for all the times I've been to Chicago, I drive is because we didn't have Sunday liquor sales in Minnesota for a long time. So I'd stop in Hudson, Wisconsin, pick up some beer or pick up a bottle, something like that. They also had different selections than we did. Stopping in Madison to go to Maduro or uh, Pig in a Fur Coat or Gibbs and spend the evening there or, or get along on your way. But that to me is why a trip of that length I would vastly prefer, because I even mentioned it to Derek when we were talking about, like, what do we do? Do we drive? Do we fly? So I said, well, my Jeep takes a lot of gas. I don't drive a lot, so I don't feel bad about it ecologically. And it's it's built for, like, short local travel, and it's built for road trips, cabining or, or elsewhere, particularly with hardy winters. So I told him, in regard to time, never mind the money that the flight costs, in regard to time, if you... Grab your bags, get in a car, go to the airport, get through security, get to your gate, wait to board, wait on the plane, 
get in the air, land in Chicago, get off the plane, collect your bags when they come through the chute, walk all the way around to the train station, get on the train, take the train into Logan. Between the time that takes and the time that it takes for us to drive, if we were to go directly there, you save one hour. Six hours versus five, uh, roughly. Like I did the math. It, you're spot on. It's you're not you're not saving. You're not really saving. It's not about time. Nope. So now we're talking about what would we enjoy more? Would you would you enjoy like all the rigmarole and getting on the plane? If it's more than six hours, then you got to think about it, right? Right. And does it make more sense to get it? Yeah. But we're like, hey, you've never been to Madison. Let's have a journey. Let's talk as friends when it's just the two of us. There's no noise and no one distracting us. Let's like listen to some pods together. Let's get some road trip charcuterie. Let's, you know, stop wherever we want, whenever we want, and then get to our destination when we decide we want to get to our destination. So I would say that's the key for me is I do love doing a three-hour drive to three, three-and-a-half-hour drive to the cabin and just casually rolling down the road and seeing dogs' heads hanging out of the windows and stopping in small towns or heading to a more distant destination where you can stop wherever you want and do whatever you want. Yeah, and we all, like you mentioned, we all have trips where you have to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's normal. Yeah. But, like Chicago, Kansas City is another oh, it's such a great six, ride. six and a half hours. Same math applies. I, I was going to Kansas City on a work trip, and my coworker's like, why don't you just fly? I'm like, oh, all right, I'll look at flights. Because I was just going to drive. And I love driving. And if I can smoke a cigar, the, like my favorite place to smoke a cigar is in my car. Music, podcast, window slightly cracked. It's heavenly. It was comically more expensive to fly to that city. Mm. And it would have been like five hours because you get to the airport early, you know, however early you like to get there. I know Ben is the, you know, waltz in the last person on the Slide plane. Slide on in, baby. <laughs> I come from a long line of, you should be there two hours early. Yeah. So I, I just like the relaxation of it. So now you're like almost kind of even Steven because you're like two hours early. Especially if you're early. Right? Yeah. Two hours on the plane. Then you got to get your rental car, which is even more money. Like it was literally three times the cost mm-hmm. to, to sure. fly there. And I went, well, that's ridiculous. And then I get to see parts of the country that I don't get to see, and I can stop in Des Moines on that trip, and I can stop into a couple of my cigar shop accounts. And on the way back, I stopped literally in Des Moines, like I want to say like West Des Moines, to find a spot to watch the Minnesota Vikings play. And it was this like deep dish pizza place. I'm blanking on the name of it. Hmm. And I sat at the bar next to some guy that literally talked my ear off, and I literally... When the game was over, he went to the bathroom, and I immediately got my check, and I ghosted out. out of there because I couldn't handle one more second <laughs> with this very nice man who just would not stop talking to me. It was just John Candy from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, he was so nice, but I was like, I can't take one more second of yeah. this guy. I can't do it, and I had to go. But it was in this, like, dilapidated strip mall with maybe 20 people in the place, and the food was great. The drinks, you know, the beer or the drink was great. But I was like, this is so middle America. But I don't get this when I fly. You know, you have something in the airport that's soulless and stupid and expensive. And 
I've I've never flown to Kansas City. I've driven there a number of times. I have flown and I have driven both to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I like them both equally. If I'm going by myself, I don't enjoy six and a half to eight hours to Chicago. By the end of it, I'm just kind of getting a little bit loopy. And I agree with you on the math. It doesn't it doesn't really save you that much. Nope. But I do like the fact that I don't have to be in control of anything when I go. Like if I fly to Chicago, if I'm taking a short flight. I just enjoy the fact, like, what, as soon as I get to the airport, like, cool, all right, I'm going to bop around, listen to what I want to, grab a drink, do my thing, get on a plane, watch a movie, yep. land, hop on a train, look at, look at people. Like, I'm into that. Yep. If I'm with somebody else and they're down for it, wholly different experience. Yeah. So then I always make a playlist that's entirely too long that we couldn't possibly get through, mm-hmm. but I have to make it because it makes me feel good. We'll listen to it for about an hour, and then we'll switch to comedy or podcast. Yes. Always how it goes. Yeah, yeah. But my wife started something that I had never done before, and now I've continued to do this with friends of mine when we're driving somewhere, even somewhere just two hours away, like cabin or up north or whatever. The navigator's job is when you get a little munchy or you're like, I could go for a little beverage. The navigator's job is find a random place. Mm -hmm. Like, could be a dive bar, could be like Google the me- the best Mexican restaurant in Toma, Wisconsin. I was just gonna say Toma, yeah, because it's like you know you're like kind of halfway it's across right kind the of state. There. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like <laughs> it's different for us going to Kansas City because you got to stop at El Bait Shop and the yes, High Life Lounge, yeah, like period. But I've even gone on like longer trips. I love doing that. Yeah, it's because great. then it's like let's just let's find a random place, but let's do a little research. Like I don't want to like I don't want to get off the highway and be like driving around and be like, oh, what do you think? Find a place that where the pictures look either wild as fuck or yup, like that's the dive bar of dive bars, or holy shit, look at this burger, or they say they have the best wings in all of Ohio. Like okay, like yeah. I want to I want to try this. Um, it looks like it looks like a time machine. Yes, like yes. You may have eaten there in ninety one. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, every single time. Like that's yes. um, driving on the way to Chicago. There is uh, there is a bar. I think I, I want to say it's like halfway between Madison and. Uh, Milwaukee, but it might be just outside of Madison, uh, the Muska Lounge, and it yeah. is it is a dive bar slash restaurant that is dressed up to look like a 1970s fishing lodge, and I'm in. That's yep. all you had to say. It's taxidermied fish everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's camouflage everywhere. Okay. It's bottles of high life, all that shit. But they are, they have like a really cool cocktail program. Oh, sweet. and they have like uh, craft slushies and shit. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, interesting." Like wow. we stopped okay. in there; it was rad. Right next door was one of the best butcher shops I've ever been to, and they had they had uh, frozen beef tallow and uh, duck fat. I was like, "Yep, those will those will last because we we were going back." I'm like, "I'll just throw those in a bag and you know kind of tuck them in the shade, and we good." Like those are the kind of adventures that I love. What does a duck fat have a cool name? Right, like not not schmaltz. Yeah, schmaltz or tallow. Yeah, and then my phone always autocorrects it to fuck fat. I mean, it uh, does because I changed duck <laughs> to fuck because I almost never uh-huh. say duck, and then I'm like, stop it when I actually want to say no. <laughs> but yeah, like I love it's it's always an overly ambitious playlist, mm-hmm. and then somewhere around the time that it gets switched to comedy or podcast. After the first one is done, whether it's a comedy album or an actual podcast, then it's like, all right, where are we going to stop? Let's let's just tuck and roll and check something out. 
And then all of a sudden you end up, you know, whatever. There's always a place called like, like the squirrel cage or the rat's nest or like, you know, like, like somebody's name, but like a nickname. Yeah. Um, you know, like one eyed Jeff's and you're like, me mateys. Yeah. me mateys. A hundred percent. Like it's a nautical themed bar in a landlocked area. That's like two hours from the nearest lake. I'm going to stop there. You know, you got to do it. There's a, there's a bar near my, my former family's cabin. Uh, my, my family's former cabin. That's better. Uh, <laughs> former family's cabin. <laughs> it's called the Castaway, and they have. They, He's been emancipated. Yes, I've been emancipated. I finally got it. Uh, but like, I remember the first time I brought I brought my my wife. Now was my girlfriend at the time. Brought her there, and like the 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 I don't know, man. You know how small towns can kind of age people. So she could have been 50 and she could have been 70, mm-hmm. but she was like, you two want shots? And we're like, sure. She's like, okay. Goes around the bar to the gas station cooler. That's just in the, like the dining area and pulls out a pitcher with tinfoil on it and like pours <laughs> no it out. Way. I go, what's in it? And she goes, I don't know. If that shots. if if we're at a restaurant here and somebody does that and we don't know them, I'm like absolutely not. No. But if you're if you had to take highway one to highway three to highway two to get to this bar and the road ends to county road NN. Yes. When you get there and they pull the pitcher with tinfoil on it out, you're like, absolutely. Yeah, all right, I gotta sure. do that. What was it? It was something with great pucker in it. I would assume okay. some sort of like like a riff, like a, it tasted like, um, I used to pour country time lemonade and grape Kool-Aid together when I was a kid. That's mm-hmm. what it tasted like. like that. But there was alcohol in it. I, I, allegedly. That, <laughs> that, reminds me, that reminds me of, we used to do a, a bus to New Ulm, Minnesota for a festival called Bach Fest every yeah. winter at the historic Shells Brewery. And there's a bar in town in New Ulm called the Crowbar. Yeah. RIP, it burnt down. But we used to stop there every year, and they would store Jello shots in their fridge. When we started going there, they had like ten Jello shots because no one in New Orleans, Minnesota, is doing Jello shots. And then it got to the point where every year when the bus would roll up, they'd like butt out the cigarette and be like, "Here come them fucking kids to eat these Jello shots!" And the fucking fridge would be lined to the door because they knew the day of Bachfest full that our boss was going to pull up and they would like roll out the red carpet and we would just crush all their jello shots and be on our way do a human pyramid on the sidewalk and complete off complete complete side note that's awesome if you're with a group of people and you don't know everybody in that group or if you're at one of those bars where they're you know what we're gonna do a round of jello shots yeah look around like it is a wonderful window into people's humanity as to how they take said jello shot. It is fascinating. <laughs> I've started doing this like a few years ago. It was shortly, it was before COVID. We were at a bar. I don't even remember where we were. Somewhere, I honestly want to guarantee it was in Wisconsin. Um, we were at a bar and it was, it was in, uh, we were in Milwaukee because the um, the Packers won. And so they were like, round of jello shots for the bar for the Packers winning. Does everyone listening, like, if you're in a foreign country, yeah. a jello shot is, it's, it's jello with alcohol in it in a tiny cup. Comes in, yeah, in like a two or a four <laughs> ounce plastic disposable cup. Does everyone know what that is? I don't and know. Instead of using water for the, the gelatin dessert mix, uh, you use alcohol. And then it, it, it sets. And then the question is, how do you get it 
out. Yeah. What's your <laughs> slurping method? And exactly. And yeah. so I was standing there and I like with, for whatever reason, I think I had a beer in my hand and I didn't have anywhere to set it and there was a lid on it. So I was trying to like thumb pop the lid off. Sure. And I was like, oh, fuck it. So I turn around and I see that there's like a divider that probably was like the smoking and non-smoking section divider from back in the day. And I like push my way through the crowd so I could set my beer there and pop this top off. I do that. I turn around and everybody's taking it. And I realized I have never paid attention to (laughs) that before. Yeah. But no one is doing this the same. Really? So you have some people that are squishing it on the sides. So it kind of squirts out and they're just like... Yep. Yeah, you have some people that just That's go, my move. just go. That, exactly, they put the whole cup inside yes. their lips and they go. Yep. There are some people who do tongue, tongue inside uh-huh. and do a rim uh-huh. all the way around. Tongue punch the fart box. Right. Tongue <laughs> tongue punch the jello box. <laughs> I was waiting for it. But the one the one that fucking got me was like a quarter of the crowd uh-huh. just went finger what? in. What? No. Wiggled it all around uh-huh. so it was no. like a slurry no. and then poured it into their mouth. Mm-hmm. What? Since that day, I have probably what? been around a group of people taking jello shots somewhere between eight and ten times. Yeah, since then. Chief. Every single time, I swear to you guys, every single time I've seen at least one person what? just jam their dirty fucking finger into it, swish it around like a fucking kid at a kegger in college. What kind of wiping nose is this? oil to yes, get the to foam make to the go foam go down. I, it was unbelievable watching it. What? Sounds like fettuccine Alfredo. Yes. <laughs> this is a kid that grew up on that kind of fettuccine Alfredo. What kind of dipshittery is this? It was. What? It's, I, the, so if you are. Come if, on. Listeners, if you are ever anywhere. This is just plain wrong. And you see that. Or if you really want to test it out and you're somewhere where it's like $2 jello shots, buy a round of them for the bar because it's worth the 20 bucks oh, or man. 40 bucks. Buy right. a round of it and just watch, watch people. Just do it. It's amazing to see if you're one of these sociopaths charles at libations please explain yourself yep. yes because there yes. are people listening that probably you are currently I, on blast i'm trying to think of a movie where this happened where somebody tried to do something like that and the person who's like the star just literally slaps them in the face like yep. out of their hand i want to do that to all these people Ooh, like nope I, there are i i also i will give them credit like they're doing it the sanitary way but i have seen a number of people ask for a spoon and they'll just like scoop it around. I was literally just going to say that there's actually no right way to do it because it's designed to be eaten with a utensil. Mm-hmm. I do the crush method. That's I just what I do. smash it. And I slurp it. And like just, I, I squeeze yeah. the side and slurp it in. Yep. And then, you know, you get the little, the rest. Then you can now, tongue punch the fart if, box. If I was by myself, that's what I would do. I, as you both and all of our listeners know, I have a very deep addiction to trying to weird people out. So if I can get eye contact with anybody, usually a dude, uh, I will 100% do the full turn and just hold eye contact. Yes. Oh, I think you say you put it in your mouth like an orange slice and just start. So in, <laughs> in my previous home. I'll do that next time. In my previous home, we got to know our neighbors really well. We would host block parties with the hot dog cart. And we, like, it became, we really just wanted to be like friends with our neighbors, like to really be a community. And one of our neighbors who lived like two blocks down, Halloween has always been or is my favorite holiday because it's the only holiday we spend with our neighbors. And the it was husband and wife, their kids were all grown, and she would do pudding shots. Oh yeah, that's a thing. And they're fucking delicious. Yep. In the same cups with the same lid that is nearly as difficult yep. to get off as like a deli container. Do you have any idea where they Irish at all? 
Uh, the only time I've ever seen I don't think pudding so. shots in two different cities and the country so. of Ireland. It was two Irish pubs in, really? in Ireland. Man, only time maybe. I've seen it. And they were, it was chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we would walk down with our kids and I'd have, you know, a flask of something that I would share around. Um, another couple would like have espresso martinis and mm-hmm. fireball shots and we'd all hang out and let our kids just go. It was fucking awesome. And there was one time she's like, Nate, there's only three pudding shots left. I'm like, if you give them to anybody, I'm going to kill you. I mean, it was this thing that we just really looked forward to. And the only way that any of us ever ate that pudding shot was you put the whole thing in your mouth like a fucking half of an orange slice or the, you know, the orange peel where you're like, like you know, the you, monkey face, like a monkey face. Yeah. And you put it in your mouth and you just scoop that shit out with your tongue and sure. it's delicious. That makes sense with pudding. With a pudding mm-hmm. shot. And I kind of do the same thing with a jello shot because it just works great. Yeah. You just basically break the seal and. That's I that I need to clip that audio out by itself. That yeah. was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. You just break us, the us, seal. Those <laughs> 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 boys and our noises, you know. Yeah. Like, pew pew. The boises and the noises. Hey. This Cheers. is delicious, by the way. Isn't it? All by itself. Yeah. Cheers. Very good. Lemon Cheers. drizzle. Mm-hmm. All right. Topic. Oh, delicious. Number four. Number four. Okay. So, it's about books. Okay. We're all readers. So, firstly, do you prefer to read real books, read ebooks, or listen to audiobooks? And then the follow-up to that is, do you have any other habits or quirks? Do you prefer hardcover, softcover? Do you take the slip off the hardcover? Do you use a bookmark? Like, what is? what are your reading habits? Uh, I would say, first and foremost, I... Listen to more audiobooks. Um, and I listen to more audiobooks than I even do podcasts because mm-hmm. I like the story. And I, you know, we all of us, we talk a lot. So I like the storytelling aspect of it. So I like, and, a, and if it's a good reader, I don't speed it up. If it's an average reader, it's like at least 2x. Mm. Um, so I listen to more audiobooks than I do read actual books but i still like an actual book and i much prefer a hardcover more often than not i will use the uh god what's the the cover what do they call that the, the jacket the jacket there as the bookmark because mm-hmm. i hate the dog ears and fucking has a bookmark anymore i mean I loved bookmarks, but I just never have one. So Mm -hmm. I generally use the jacket as the bookmark, but I much prefer a hardcover. Um, If I can't find the hardcover and I really want to read a book, I'll buy the paperback, but it's like sort of, you know, comedy central, like, you know, peeling open this little fat, you know, chubby book. That's, you know, it's like chunk from Goonies and you're just trying to like break him open, but he doesn't bend that way. So you're like, ah, you're just truffle shuffling You're away. just truffle shuffling, but it's not so much truffle as it is like a too fat marshmallow that doesn't want to squeeze that way. So yeah, yeah. I much prefer a hardcover yeah. book um, because then you've got that. It feels more permanent in a hardcover, whereas a paperback feels more temporary. When you have it on your shelf, uh, you know, you're in your library of sorts. Um, I actually would read books for a little while on my phone, like on a Kindle you know, on the Kindle app. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it was okay, 
But there's something just really unsatisfying about flip, flip. You know, you don't even get like a page. It's like literally eating Cheerios one at a time or some cereal one at a time Mm -hmm. or fucking fruit snacks one at a time. Like who doesn't eat the whole thing in one solid bite? Give me a handful. So hardcover, mostly audiobooks, because there's something about reading, if you will, listening to another person tell you that story Mm -hmm. that is so damn satisfying to me. Totally agree. I just love it. And and for me, it it it's an even, it's it's different, but it's like almost an even better experience than reading the book, uh, because it's like you know when you're if you if you ever grew up like going to a summer camp mm-hmm. or having a teacher that was just a fucking great storyteller and you were hooked, like if you listen to a speaker and they start telling a story, and you're like, say what. I'm sorry, well, what now? Um, what, what was that? Yeah, I'm in. That's audiobooks for me. Mm. Are you currently reading or listening to anything right now? I am currently reading the, I think it's technically the fifth book in the series, but the fourth in the linear series um, of a set of books by the author Ken Follett. Mm. Uh, the very first book was called The Pillars of the Earth, and I talked with Charles about this uh, a couple weeks ago. First book is called Pillars of the Earth, and this last one, uh, yes. I'd have to look it up, um, the title of it. So you're on the last one? I'm on the last one. So okay. the, the, the one that I haven't read or haven't started yet was technically the quote-unquote fourth book, and that was a prequel to the Pillars of the Earth. I'm now reading the fourth in linear succession. So what the – Ken Follett is best known for his, like, World War II – uh, historical fiction books, and they're fantastic. But Pillars of the Earth is a, I believe, 1100s England mm. um, story surrounding the building of a cathedral in Kingsbridge, England, which is just Sorry, outside of London. Okay, and it's it 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 involves multiple perspectives and storylines that all interact and intersect. Mm. So it's the Lord and his you know dipshit of a son who rapes this woman who's a fabric merchant and she has a kid and and it's the prior abbot of the the church and the building of it and the stonemasons who are another group of people and it's all how they interact Mm. then the second book is 200 years later in the 1300s also in kingsbridge but a bunch you know totally different set of people all surrounding the same area the third book broadens the like geographical area a little bit but it all still centers on this kingsbridge and the cathedral uh and then the fourth book is 1700s also in kingsbridge also the same cathedral the same like fabric your weaver's guild or i guess merchant's guild that's surrounding textiles it's absolutely fascinating when i first read the pillars of the earth uh i was managing a store that specialized in selling only birkenstock sandals and shoes one of the best jobs I ever had. Guy that I worked for was a retired Navy commander. He was the first class of Top Gun pilots to go through that school. So he flew in Vietnam in the same squadron as John McCain. So legit badass dude. Yeah. And when we weren't busy, he was like, yeah, just bring books in, read, you know, do mm-hmm. whatever. Because there wasn't much to do. So we read a lot. And my coworker, 
was reading this book. I'm like, hey, Jody, what are you reading? She's like, oh, it's this book called Pillars of the Earth. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of it. And she's like, what? Like had a complete like brain aneurysm. She goes, take this book home tonight. I've read it like seven times. This is like my eighth time. What is something comical like that? She goes, just read this. I promise you, you won't be able to put it down. That night, I didn't fall asleep till like, I don't know, two, three in the morning. I was like, I got to go to bed. It's so damn fascinating. And it's, he writes such a great narrative and character development that's just really engrossing. You know, it feels like almost like a, you know, a, not a smut novel, but like, you know, the Louis L'Amour, like easy read kind of thing. It's so easy to read and it's so dense, but it's just really fascinating. So that was one where I read all those books, but he has another series that is all about the geopolitical atmosphere from the end of World War I all the way up through the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And those I listen to on audiobook because the guy that narrates them He's able to do Welsh. He's able to do German. He does British. He he does the accent so damn well that I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm fucking this up by That's speeding that brilliant. up. Yeah. I love that. It's great. So couldn't recommend those books enough. Oh, yeah. Um, I read a lot. Like, I'll read a lot of nonfiction. Um, I like the Jack Reacher, Lee Child books just for fluff, you know. Um, yeah, I try to make it really varied so I kind of keep my brain, for sure. you know, more stimulated, I guess. Yeah. So I'm also preferred audiobook, just because I spend so much time in my car. That's it. It yeah. makes me feel like I'm doing something with that time. Yes. And I, I just can't listen to terrestrial radio anymore. And sure. so I alternate. And so, uh, like my humor podcasts sadly have sort of squashed what little love I had for fiction away. Because I get my, like, turn the brain off a little bit and just have some with that, like, laughs yeah. with that. Um, I will say, though, that I'm also a hardcover person. I will pay more for the hardcover. 100%. If it's possible. 100%. But I do take the jacket off uh, because I hate when it starts getting tattered. And I, I take it with me. I shove it in my bag and whatnot. I take mine off after I'm done. That's I fair. use it as a bookmark and then I throw it away. I am a, if I'm going to spend the money on a hardcover book, I 100% am going to mark it up. I'll underline or highlight things, lines that I like, whatever. I dog ear the pages. That's how I save it. Because it's interesting if I choose to reread that book. It's fascinating to see where I chose to stop before and where instead I want to mm-hmm. keep going. I, I, if I'm going to buy the book, there's a good chance I might reread it. And I enjoy being able to see what like fascinated me. Yeah. There are times where I've had to like triple check the handwriting to make sure, because I'm like, why the fuck would I have underlined that? Like, that's not something I'm... And it's just interesting to see, like, how my brain has changed. Yeah. I love that. Uh, if there's a chance that I can get... If it's a nonfiction and it's about somebody, if they've read it themselves, I'm 100% going to listen to it. Oh, yeah. You know, Dave Grohl's book, Bruce Springsteen's book. Yes. The Beastie Boys autobiography is quite possibly the <laughs> greatest audiobook I've ever listened to. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. They um each chapter is read by one of their friends. Okay. They like both Ad Rock and, and Mike D do a number of chapters. Yeah. But like everybody from Snoop Dogg to uh, John C. Riley and then um the woman that they kicked out of the band without even really telling her, they let her write a chapter about what it was like on her end and then they yeah. let her read it. And so you get to hear her no talking about what happened. And I got like choked up, you know, like hearing her tell her story because I never heard it. Yeah. Um, you know, listening to Dave Grohl talk about when Kurt Cobain died, like 
his voice is legitimately breaking. Yeah. And it's, I know that I would have felt it reading it. Yeah. But hearing him say it to me, it felt like he's just sitting in the car next to Different. me. Like, telling uh, yeah. me the story. Yep. So uh, currently, um, I want to throw this out to everybody and not to get like super political, but there is a genocide going on in this world. And I think a lot of people love to weigh in on it and don't understand any of how, how we got here. There's an incredible book called A Peace to End All Peace. And there's an audiobook of it. And it reading it the first time, it's it's just really dense. It is very, very much like not a textbook, but kind of close. Like he makes it, he makes it there's just there's so much shit that went down. But it's it's all about how the British, with the help of the French, the Americans carved up the Middle East and left us with the the strife that we have right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it explains everything that was going on and all the different factions and who they were trying to play against each other and what the eventual thing was. And it was, it was basically starts. Well, I mean, there's background before world war one, but it's from the end of world war one kind of leading up to world war two. And then how, how this all ended. It's insane. And yeah. it's, you know, the first time that I read it, I think I was in my twenties and I reread it. I know I reread it sometime in my thirties and now listening to it, and like really understanding what's going on. It is so heartbreaking to just see how the echoes of our past are just completely, it's not an, I'm sorry, it's not an echo. They're just still singing the song. Yep. It's the same exact thing. Yep. And it's being treated with the same level of care that it was a hundred years ago. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just shocking. So if you really want to dig into it, it's an incredible book. Uh, just look up a piece to end all peace. And I've, I, I don't know any, he doesn't write it from any, any sides. He's just trying to present, this is exactly what happened. And it'll give you all of the tools that you need to really understand where we are right now. And it's a heartbreaking book and it is, it's long, but fuck man, it's, it's incredible. And I just, I wish more people would, would read it or, or listen to it, I guess. And whoever they have reading it is wonderful. He just sounds like a like the the professor whose class I would want to take. Mm. That, yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of the perspective that autobiographically, if that person's reading, that would be cool to experience. Because I'm not an audiobook person. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that I haven't even tried. I just I know how much I love having. Just got it. That's so good. Yeah, I I love having the paper between my fingers. Totally, I I would prefer that. I just, I, if I could read a book in my car, I would do no, that. No, I, I totally understand why people do it. There's no judgment whatsoever. I understand why people ebook too. People have the paper white yeah. or, or use any other device. We've, I've, I've mentioned this before. It's been proven via studies that we absorb information differently when we're accessing it via screen or, or via paper. Like reading a book that is bound has a different effect on your brain than sure. reading from a screen. I quite like the effect that I get from reading a paper book. And I mentioned on the Connor Chapley episode that I, I saw this, like, I think it's a meme or a tweet or something that said there's, there's almost nothing weirder than reading scratched characters on an old dead tree and transporting yourself to another universe yeah. in your brain. Yeah. Yep. When you put it that way, it's like, holy shit, it's yep. fucking wild. It's one of the reasons I like making my own voices for characters and sort of characterizing them the way I that, that I want it. You yep. know, because you picture them. Same. And you, and you sort of, you hear their voice in your, in your mind. 
the way Nate was describing audiobooks, I feel like it's almost a stopgap between the um, uh, like a movie version or a television version of a book and reading the book is it being acted faithfully. Mm-hmm. Every every character faithfully uh, read to you so there's nothing missed, nothing changed with actors. So that's another cool way to think of it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I would consider trying it for something I, I have already read. I want to revisit yeah. American Gods by Neil Gaiman or something. Mm-hmm. I So recently Spotify was like, hey, we got all these audiobooks now. And I decided to just like spin one up that was a book I know and have that was contained on there. So I did Blood Meridian by oh, yeah. um, Cormac McCarthy. Yep. And it's his prose is really Love. ambitious, like very strong. And listening to it read, I, I would advise for someone who likes listening to audiobooks to listen to that because it sounds so good and the actor's doing a good job. It's just so, it's like real thick. Mm-hmm. For me, I need to read that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't, if I stop listening for whatever reason, my dog jumps on me. I'm going to have to go all the way back because it's like thick. Yeah. So I, I want to explore that medium a little more, but I like to have the pages between my fingers, hardcover always, unless you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Paperback. Yeah, it's a gift right. or it's it was the only, yeah. the only edition available. Cool. I always take the jacket or the slip off, whatever you want to call it. I don't, it, the thing flopping around, I hate get it. the fuck out of here for a bookmark. I use either one of my own business cards or I use a, um, a cigar band. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Just like it's thin, it's low profile. You can always tell where it is, and it just kind of because I hate fumbling with it too. Post it, you know. You're like, what the fuck? Where do I put this thing right now? I use post it sometimes, like because they're mm. everywhere. Yeah, just and something. it sticks. It's easy. Yep, for sure. You can even fold a post it, and then uh-huh. it makes it just thick enough uh-huh. that you can always tell where you are. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, so I, that that's my preferred method. Right now, I'm reading um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Return to it. Such a good book. Robert Persig. It's written in the 70s. So it's cool to like feel the perspective that he's writing from, from that, the time that he wrote it and the applications to modern day regarding like machines and technology and stuff. It's because when he wrote it, it was, we're on the precipice of so much technological change. So it's super cool. And I really want to make it a point to power through it because I read it and then I stopped and I've read a couple other books this year. Um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. and He's great, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of that book felt to me like justification of processes that I already employ. Yeah. Well, so a lot of endemic information, a lot of like scientific information, which is important to me to understand why people do things the way they do. And he even brought up the unbroken chain and Jerry Seinfeld. And it's something I've been doing for years. And I've, every time I mention that to someone, no one has idea, any idea what I'm talking about. And he actually said it. Mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld uses this system called un, the unbroken chain. I was like, holy shit, that's very cool. So it, it, it was great to read. Very easy read as well. Lots of graphics and, and graphs and stuff. If people aren't familiar with him, subscribe to his 321. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Email? Like, if you you're unfamiliar email? with... Jerry Seinfeld. Not Jerry Seinfeld, James Clear. I know, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the way that you came in, he was like, yeah, Jerry Seinfeld uses And if you're unfamiliar with him. Have you heard of this guy? Yes. Yeah. What's he's, the deal with newsletters? He's, he's maybe kind of famous, yeah. yeah. It's not even a letter, and there's yeah. no news. 
And then I read uh, the the narrow road between desires by Patrick Rothfuss, which is a very easy read. I just read that in one evening. It's a side story from the King Killer Chronicles. So similar to Nate, I do like to, and I'm sure Quam, you're the same way. I like to mix up genre, mm-hmm. um, unless I'm like really on a fucking kick. Sometimes you read a fantasy novel and you're like, I want more. I want more. And then you like you get into disappointing one, you know? Like, and you're like, oh, ah, fuck. It's not, it. They're not all great. Yeah. They're yep. mostly bad, actually. <laughs> I'm in the, the middle for the closest I get to like fiction right now is I'm in the middle of rereading um like the Vonnegut series, like my favorite Vonnegut books. Because when he changed my life when I was 19, 20, and 21, I came at all of them from such a different angle. And uh I reread Breakfast of Champions a few years ago. And a book that I thought was hilarious and dark this time around was so sad that it like made me tear up and I'm like, Oh fuck. And now I credit, um, Oh my God, cat's cradle. Jesus. Uh, I credit that book with being the single biggest change in my life. And now coming back at it as somebody who experienced that change and is now 25 years older. Yeah looking back on everything now it has a whole lot it has nothing to do with me anymore now it has to do with everything that i see out in the world and that is that's amazing and that's become like super addictive so mother night is next it was actually uh i kind of i had fell out off it a little bit but then we went to the stick it in Mm -hmm. and now it's got me back rolling again so yeah Yeah. i i need to do i need to get back into like more like Shannara style fantasy stuff. I just I got so back into Vonnegut now. That's the only fiction that I've been reading. Anyway. Did you did you ever check out the Chronicles of Shannara TV show? It's really bad. It like is heartbreaking bad. Oh man, I liked it. I I if it was by itself, yes. But you're saying comparative to the books, correct? Yeah, it was on MTV. Yep. That's- I no that was like that was the my mom would come in and like find me <laughs> blanket over my head with yeah. a flashlight reading I like I went through the entire series and then my brothers years later found my old books and then they went through all of it yeah and yeah, it's it's crazy but anyway sorry that was a, a wild digression there. love it uh all right so cheers 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 oh cheers no it's the Shinara Chronicles what? Not the, not the Chronicles of What Shinara. of Narnia? Shinara. Lazy Sunday. Yeah. I'm blending them. I likes it. Albuquerque. Eh. I can do it too. So uh, on Friday of this weekend, <laughs> uh, this past weekend, I had some friends over and we cooked our asses off. Oh! And we busted out some fun stuff. We had some fun wines and we had some super cool uh, old whiskeys. And after a few pours of each, we were done and we... Of course, like we always do, we hadn't thought of dessert. So we were trying to think of like what to do. And I decided that I wanted to make a cocktail. And uh, we were kind of looking at what was in there. And I made a cocktail that literally all three people at the table said that they were going to hate. And all fucking four of us were like, oh, shit, that's real good. So what I wanted to know is, do you have a thing that you cook or that you mix as a beverage that most people think they would hate until they try it? And then it's awesome. For reference, this was Basque Herbal Liqueur. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Black Mezcal Aged Coffee Liqueur. Okay. Uh, dark Rum. 
Underberg, and Malort. And it ended, oh, yeah. up, it ended up tasting like an Anisette espresso martini. And it was fucking awesome. In my head, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. But it was so good. Okay. I would All drink right. it. I would taste it. Sure. I would drink it. It's game to try everything. So again, it doesn't sound good. If you saw those ingredients, I would order it because I'm like, I have to know what this fuck is. I don't even know like. where you, I don't even know how you got there. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about that, I was thinking about the Anisette coffee that I had the last time that I was at Tim Wendelbo's in Oslo, Norway. And I was trying to figure out if I could make a drink that would kind of taste like that. As like, because I'm thinking like digestive, like after dinner cocktail, I didn't want to make espresso for everyone. Did I you shake want, it? Uh, stirred. Okay. Because also, it sounds like you wanted something strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, on paper, I would only order that because I had to see what the fuck it was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But in that moment, I was just like, dun, dun. like, you know, like, uh, like the way that you see when, when you see videos of people with like the Apple vision goggles or whatever on, like <laughs> moving their hands around like minority report shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I was doing, like looking at my liquor cabinet. I'm like, oh, I could do that. And then that. And then that. Mm-hmm. And then that. And I really love Underberg and uh, the Basque, the the licorice yep. notes and that. Yep. Sure. Uh, like it all, it, yeah, it was fucking great. That's awesome. Ooh. You want me to go? No, I got it. All right. This takes me way back to when I was a little kid. Mm. It looks like awful and like white diarrhea, but it's fucking delicious. <laughs> when you want that late night snack and you happen to have these in the refrigerator and you just want a house like some shit that tastes amazing, equal parts, cottage cheese, and applesauce. What? It's fucking awesome. Because cottage cheese is I just plain it. delicious. Yeah. Yes. And like... You know, you often will see like a peach have on top of your cottage cheese or some other kind of fruit. Sure. But when you mix, not the like organic bullshit. like some Mott's ass. Yes, like legit applesauce. And you go half and half and you mix that shit together and it looks like white baby diarrhea. Well, okay, like I eat apples and cheese together. Of course. You know. It's delicious. And it sounds like the same sound we were talking about. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And it is I'm honestly sorry, I, up a jello shot. I will never do that. Sound it is again. honestly so <laughs> the best. It's the most comforting, satisfying, yeah. like right. bowl of mush. It's fucking delicious. And you just, Large curd or small curd? Oh, good question. Full fat, low fat, full fat. Got to be full fat always, fat. baby. Fuck out of here with that. I, I guess I don't really care about small curd, large curd so much. Um, I like them fat curds. Fat as long curds, as you're getting so. some curd, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's fucking delicious. Do you are you you're just spooning it? There's no like like cracker or bread or oh anything? no that's that it get the largest spoon available. Ah uh, okay. Like you know how every like flatware set mm-hmm. has the like <laughs> the normal spoon and then yeah. the soup spoon, which is there's a there's a chef out of Ireland named Rory O'Connell. He can watch him on YouTube or Amazon. He's great, like, TV chef. He's super relaxing. He's very easy to listen to. Mm. And he'll pour, like, a tablespoon of oil in literally a spoon that is giant. And you're like, that's four fucking yeah. tablespoons, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's not a tablespoon. <laughs> Get that spoon. That's the spoon you want to have applesauce. It's got a bigger table. Cheese. 
This is like, yes. it's throwing me off because uh, I eat cottage cheese weird. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before. We've talked about cottage cheese before. But I will <laughs> I will take the spoon in and I will suck out all of the, the juice and, and swallow the that, leave the curds, <laughs> and then I'll chew up the curds oh, by I'm cool themselves. With that. I'm cool you with do that. some funny stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool like with that. Theater snacks. Yeah, it's, a, it's a texture play. <laughs> like I have, an healthy, I have an unhealthy attachment to cottage cheese because it's delicious. Um, it's fantastic. Another Midwestern thing that I also will house an entire container. To, well, pint container for sure. I'll eat the whole thing. Fucking top the tater. Oh, yeah. Okay. My wife. I was somewhere that. else in the country, and I was like, oh, dude, like ripple potato chips with top the tater. They're like, what the fuck is top the tater? I will I'm still like, continue You don't have top the tater? It's seasoned sour cream, guys. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. It's like, literally just, sour cream and chives. It, yeah. And then a little bit of MSG. Yes. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing. You can do that. But cottage cheese hits that vein for me, and when sometimes I'll like do hot sauce and cottage cheese or some savory shit, or like literally take Spanish olives Ooh, like and just chop them with the like pampered chef yep. magic chopper, and I'll mix that shit in there to make it extra salty. Sure. But when I want like to take it all the way back to elementary school days, cottage cheese and applesauce. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> These are like when you peel back all the layers oh, yeah, yeah. to what you no, really you. are. Yep. That's oh, yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Super Bowl season, and yes. it made me think of, uh, it must have been maybe like three or four years ago for the Super Bowl I made, tortas ahogadas. Quam, uh, I don't know if you were there. Nate, you, I believe, were there. Yep. It was the, 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 the Mexican no. tortas that... You, that I made that uh, you drowned them. Yeah. The ones that I poured sauce all over. Yep. Oh, yeah. This? I was, I was, my wife was out of town. And so I was with the dog and I had my, I went to four different places and got fried chicken from each one of them. And I had a fried chicken off to see which place I actually liked the most. Okay. That's cool. So I totally basically the reason, it, the reason it seems unattractive or like you wouldn't want to eat it is because it looks like you would use a fork and knife, but. Fuck that. Use your hands. What it is, it's a torta that you make, and you can put whatever meat you want on it. I think the traditional version would be um, carnitas, pickled red onion, uh, refried beans. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else in the filling. It, it's basically that, and then maybe one or two other things. And you can mix it up. Like I think I put avocado in mine. And I don't remember the meat filling that I used, but... You get, like, good torta bread. You make that sandwich. You toast it. You know, you put all the fillings in it. And you take the sauce that you have made that's a fully blended down sauce that is chilies, tomato, onion, garlic, um, some vinegar. And then, you know, you can put, like, clove in there. You can put, like, various other seasonings in it. Blend that all the way down with your immersion blender or in an actual blender. And keep it hot in a pot. And when you assemble your sandwiches, you pour it over the top of the sandwich. Traditionally, there's like, I don't know the phrasing exactly, but there's a half kind of just like, yeah, put a little on there. And then there's like a fuck me up boss version. And I served those at the Super Bowl, which was also the first time I'd made them. And people were curious, do I just grab it? And I was like, yeah, that's, Get in that's what we're doing. Just fucking grab it. Grab Get it. Get your grab fingers it. wet. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dear God, that sounded. Don't make the noise again. Don't make the noise again. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted. But yeah, you want to like squish the bread in your yes. hands because it's toasted bread. And yes. then, you know, for someone who loves textures, Quam, when like the sauce is all Oh, over I'm already it, here for it. I'm already yeah, here for it. He's like squeezing it mm-hmm. in your hands and you get that like tactile experience. It's like that place in LA with those French dips. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar, right? Because the bread is all. Yeah. You're like, it's so wrong, but it's so. Once you taste it, you're like, it's so right. Because that sauce is just. All the indentations you created with your fingers. <laughs> I'm looking at you right now, and as you're as you're squeezing this invisible sandwich, all I can hear in my head is Chad Gable's voice going, "Smoosh, yeah. <laughs> smoosh, please." Yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see this. <laughs> well, it is like it is like the yes. crush. It's like crush. Yeah, WWF yeah. squeezing someone's head. But yeah, you make all those indentations with your fingers and all yes. the sauce through all the crevasses. And it's crevasses. if you do it right, it's a good chili sauce. Like you can use dry chilies that you reconstitute. Oh. You can use dry chilies that you reconstitute. Or you can use I like to use the canned chipotles. Sure. Yeah. It's just a beautiful flavor with the tomato and then all the, the other melange mm-hmm. of flavors. It just seems like something that you shouldn't do. Yep. It looks like you're fucking the sandwich up. And via that, I think people that see that sandwich don't totally understand what you're doing because you're sort of doing like the bathed chimichanga situation, yep. which makes a lot of sense yep. for the region totally. of the food. It's a it's from Jalisco, so it's it's really fucking good. It turns out because everybody who was like all right, and then they grab it and then they feel weird. They feel like they're at the zoo and they put the hand through the window yes. and it's all the worms and they're like, oh, what's that? And they they look at you while they're holding it and they're like, no, what am I doing? Not My not hands not. are all dirty. They're only thinking about wiping their hands. And then they smorch it. You got to smorch. They smorch, smorch it. <laughs> and they look at you and the sauce is on their face and it's running down their elbows and it's all up in their fingers. And they're like, okay, there's a, there's a that, method to the madness. That's delicious. Well, as we have established, I'm a I'm a weirdo. I love textures. I love sweet and salty. I love anything like that. Um, I actually originally was gonna. You kind of sniped me. I was gonna say something about cottage cheese. Uh, oh yeah, original Triscuits scooping cottage cheese as an edible spoon. Love it. Yeah, why not? Super like it's you got you got something you got you got the juice you got the curds you got the cracker that then instantly. Turns in a bunch of weird little fibers. Yep. Explodes. And then everything. And then it's not a super dry cracker because you got the cottage cheese there. Yep. It all works. It's like blowing up a barn. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I will do uh, any sort of like, uh, this is usually involving THC, but um, I'll do like uh, uh, old Dutch ripple chips and, uh, and chocolate chips. Yeah. Chips and chips. Oh. It's fucking fantastic. Huh. Just do like... One or two with one or two. <laughs> Yummy. Fucking love it. Couple nips. Couple nips. Couple nips on the chip. You got to do a couple nips on the chip, girl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, okay. Is this weird? I don't, I don't know if this is weird. I don't know anybody else that does it. My friend Tyler and I do this. Um, I don't like... There's a beer that's made here in the Midwest, here in Minnesota, called Grain Belt Premium. I don't enjoy that beer by itself. But if I am somewhere and that beer does exist and there is a bottle of Angostura bitters, I will do seven shakes of Angostura bitters into a premium and it is one of my favorite beers. 
Oh. It goes from a beer I would not drink to one of my favorite beers. And people look at me like an insane person every time I do it, but I absolutely adore that. kind of spaghetti-ish. You're, you're looking at a couple guys that love Naughty Phillips. Yes. So. There you are. So, <laughs> Which is, what's the, what's the drink actually called? So, have you heard about the Naughty Phillip, Ben? No, I was just going to agree with you. So, I'm a huge, <laughs> like, my favorite cocktail is a classic tankery and tonic, oh. gin and tonic. And, you know, the stiffer the tankery, the better. Like, so... I was looking up articles or sites to get riffs on gin and tonics because when I'm at home, I typically like cocktails that are like maybe three components max because sure. they're easy, they're simple, they're generally like a Negroni. You go to any bar and order a Negroni, you're like, good on you, buddy. Mm-hmm. You, like, you know your shit. So I, I stumble upon this Esquire magazine article about riffs on a gin and tonic. And there's this cocktail called the Pretty Tony. And for every two ounces of gin, you add 10 to 12 dashes, solid dashes of Angostura bitters. And we all know that some Angostura bottles are like the little pea dribble, and some are like the rocket launcher. Yep. We're talking 10 to 12 rocket launchers. Mm -hmm. You want it to be orange. Okay. Yeah, Skeets is a good way. Yeah, Skeets. Like, yeah, yeah. Ten to twelve Skeets. <laughs> yep, that one. <laughs> We're making a lot of sounds. We like are actually. <laughs> so Something else. I tell Charles about this cocktail, and he's and we make it, and he's like, "That's fucking delicious." So he texts me. I don't know. A week later, he's like, "What's the name of that fucking cocktail you told me about? That's a riff and a gin and tonic, the Naughty Philip." <laughs> and I go, "I'm here for it." Well. It was technically called the Pretty Tony, but it's for sure now yeah. called the Naughty Phillip. Going forward. So everywhere I go, if I want to riff on a gin and tonic, I tell them to put enough Angostura in that gin and tonic to turn it orange, mm-hmm. and it's a Naughty Phillip. it's a Naughty Phillip. I'm down with that. It's, it's a spring, Naughty Phillip. Yep. Hatchback chickens and Naughty Phillips. Yep. I just I just thought of another one. I, again, I've, I don't know. Tell me if this is weird. This is, this is an absolute, if I am by myself, I almost did this yesterday. Okay. I might do this tomorrow. All right. Uh, every maybe two months, I'll go straight up ground beef taco scringos. I use the bold taco seasoning from our good friends at Penzi's because that shit is so delicious. And then I'll everything ch- they do. Right. And then I'll chop up uh, pickled jalapenos yeah. and put it in with the ground beef yep. while it's cooking and then throw that in there. And it's, it's delightful. It is only in a crunchy taco. Like there's no corn tortilla. I'm talking like, or no, do you do Soft. lettuce, tomato, cheese, all that? Or just uh, the meat? No, I'll do that. Cheese, lettuce. All right. So I will make a single sheet of nachos, not piled sky high, single sheet of nachos. I will do said ground beef. This is literally if I'm by myself. Ground beef, cheddar cheese, oven, out of oven, drizzle the fuck out of it with sriracha and only sriracha. And then I will literally put a half a head of chopped lettuce over the whole thing. And I will eat it chip by chip until they get a little bit soggy. And then I will straight up fork the rest of it. That's salad, baby. Yep. It's basically a deconstructed white people taco salad. Yeah, that's not weird. That's yeah. Sweet. Yeah, we have a good. thing at our the house. sriracha is like a little good. like, really? Yeah. yeah I won't do it, it like at any traditional hot sauces. Yep. It's the sweetness, the saltiness of the ground beef with the sweetness of sriracha. And then the the yeah. crunchy and hot chip 
with the ice cold lettuce. Delicious. We have a thing at our house that I got from my mother. Block of Velveeta, can of evaporated milk. Oh boy. Jar of pimentos. Who's making pimento cheese? Then a can of whatever heat green chilies you like uh-huh. and a can of stewed tomatoes. Oh, I'm here for that. And you warm all that up until it all melts down. And then you put whatever tortilla chip you like. Mm-hmm. And I like to take mine and I like to crunch them into as many small bits as possible because I fork the hell out of this shit. Oh. And I cover my plate in this cheese so I cannot see a single chip. And then I take my fork and I scoop that shit up and in my mouth. It's kind of oh. like if you took Velveeta with Rotel tomatoes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's... But the evaporated milk thins it out without adding, like, you know, too much body to it. The pimentos literally make it. There's I don't know how they do it, but those little fucking pimentos... are sweet. ...are so good. Yeah. And the stewed tomatoes, when you get that big fucking whole mm-hmm. half of a stewed tomato, mm-hmm. are so damn good. That is well, that, our, like, Super I'd Bowl food. The, yeah, that sounds great. It's delicious. That's, I mean, that's literally, it's a close cousin to uh, The Dip, taught to me by Mr. Dan Weller of Texarkana. The Dip? The Dip. Uh, block of Velveeta, pound of hot Italian sausage, two, or wait, one can of Rotel, one can of stewed tomatoes. Uh, what am I missing? Oh, green chilies. Boom. Yep. Turn it on. Awesome. Let her go. Awesome. Once it gets there, then literally, like, I just sit by it. Basically until the sausage is cooked. Yep. Awesome. Delicious. And a week's worth of sodium content. You guys it, remember, at least. You guys remember that commercial, the Tostadas commercial with the bag talks? It's on the counter. And he goes, even this big old dip? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw that commercial was during the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that, voice, that voice yeah. coming out of you is so fucking funny. It's about to get better if you haven't heard this before. All right. <laughs> the first time I saw that commercial. Anytime someone says dip, I think of this. Yeah. That, but also this, it's a Super Bowl, and I was racing around cooking food and shit. And that was that commercial was under in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and when I walked in the room, I just saw the last part because the whole thing about the commercial is that those little scoops can pick up yep. like thick dips. Yes. And I walked in the room and I saw this bag, this talking bag, and what I heard him say was, <laughs> "Even this big old dick." <laughs> of course, that's the <laughs> only way to go. Like, of course you did. Why? <laughs> Wait, what? And so, like, I fell over on the floor laughing, and everyone had to explain to me that he did not say even this big old dick. <laughs> but he could have. It sounded like it's like Paul Rudd in whatever movie he dick? was in. You want to take a look at my dick? <laughs> <laughs> to this day, like, to this day, there are people that are listening to this right now that. When they hear the word dip, they think of that because... Of course, yeah. you have to. Oh, my God. Come on. Because on some level, they had to be saying that. <laughs> that this big old dip. Even this big old, big old, big old dip. <laughs> oh, fuck me. We got to get that on the soundboard, I yep. think. I think we got to get that dude on the soundboard. I think the other one that you need on the soundboard is the, oh, good for you. <laughs> I think that's, we're I think we're due to swap a couple yeah, things. Yeah, we're gonna swap. Well, well, not the just other that, one. but there's a couple that we've like literally never used. <laughs> also, we've talked about you know how we're upgrading our hardware. It's more about the systems and processes because we have to set all this shit up. But we are going to start using an actual computer. I want to be able to to play stuff off a computer that I have on this side, and then 
qualms running the soundboard on the other side. That'll enable us to do whatever we would like. All the cool shit. All the cool shit. Backs like a machine, motherfucker. Yep. Cheers, guys. I just took my cheers. Apologies. Okay. I I believe you. I didn't see it, but... I I didn't realize we were going to go into that, so I was like, boop. And then I'm like, oh, just kidding. Charles is still talking. Hold on. Someone tell that guy to shut the fuck up. Here, Nate, run over and give me a splash. Splash him. Splash him. Give me a drizzle of that drizzle. I'll read the the topic while you do so. Okay, so some, some say that life itself is a journey without a goal. It was actually something that I heard in... A mindfulness uh, meditation exercise this morning. It's a kind of a cool thing to remind yourself of. Name a pursuit within your life that you could consider in that same context, a journey without a goal. A journey without a goal. Good question. I like that. Yeah, you can contextualize that in any yeah. way you prefer. I also have like nine answers ready to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think thinking about like the idea of a journey without a goal is be as open as present, as open and as present as possible. To sidetracking your day. Yeah. I love that. Depending on the individual that you meet. Whether that's whomever. A friend. A coworker, A conversation when I'm at a cigar show. If I ask a question of an individual. And suddenly I realize that they're going to give me a maybe a half hour to an hour to an hour and a half answer because they just really feel like sharing that shit. I don't care where I was about to go. I'm, I'm sit, I'm sat down, I'm listening. In fact, that happened at the trade show I was just at in Vegas. There is a cigar manufacturer who owns a company called Cavalier Geneve. He's Swiss. He, he and his wife just had their first kid and I've got five kids and so I was asking about their daughter, and he was just sharing about how they're just navigating life. And I had intended to ask him maybe a couple questions and mo- say hi, shake his hand, and move on to another group of more established friends who I'm also really close with. Never made it over to those other friends because he was just in, he was sharing. And I was like, oh, I'm sitting down because this is something that I feel like is important and I want to be here for this. And so I set my drink down, I lit another cigar and I was in it and it was fantastic. And I think the more you can be open to those moments when they present themselves, you're going to find that you're going to experience some of the greatest moments of life in the, in, in those moments, just like let yourself be available for that. Yeah. That's so awesome. I think, uh, I, th- I mean, I want to say it's to hit, like hear every song ever or some shit like that, but <clears throat> I talk about that. And honestly, I'm not, I still am searching for new music, but I'm not, I, I'm not actively like trying to hear everything anymore. Now I have like the things that I love and then also other stuff. I think, uh, honestly, I think my, my answer 
is, and I'll, I don't want to ever finish this, but it's to just keep hearing people's stories. Like the older that I've, I've always, you know, we've talked about it a ton on the show that I'm always chasing the story. I'm always going to the, the weird bar because I just want to know what's going on. It'll be a funny story I can tell. But the, the more empathetic side of that coin is I am forever, I, I am forever let down by people as a group and I am forever emboldened and energized by persons as singular. Mm-hmm. And the older that I've gotten, and for whatever fucking reason, uh, my group has just gotten bigger, my circle has just gotten bigger, and the amount of, you know, because we have a privileged life, uh, my ability to travel to meet new people has gotten easier and more frequent. Mm-hmm. And I for everything that I've ever gotten obsessed with and then have let go, this is the only like through line that I still have. And I'm still absolutely as obsessed with because you never run out of original tales. You never like somebody that you randomly just talked to at a bar Mm -hmm. on a roof in Brooklyn at a cigar lounge. Like I don't remember any of those people's names. And if a police sketch artist came in right now, and asked me to describe any of them, I could maybe tell you what shirt they were wearing. But for each of those people, I remember something specific about what they said. Sure. And I'm kind of getting that way because my, my, the memory portion of my brain is like, we can't remember everything about people anymore, but for, I'll remember who that person was. And there's always like one thing I remember. And now I'm meeting so many more people with this new job that I have. And at the end of the day, it's the same thing every time is I want to figure out, like, what's your story? Like, what what's your deal? Tell me a little bit about you. Tell me something. Like, this show so weirdly has changed, like, how I ask questions to people. I don't know if you feel mm. the same way, Charles. But just in casual conversation, I think that this show has made me a better listener in life. And because of that now, it's sort of like it threw another big-ass log on a fire that has been going since I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah. And now I, I like I, I I hope that never goes away, because finding out the story of each human that you cross paths with is is amazing and sometimes infuriating, but also sometimes absolutely soul crushing, and yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. it's somebody says something casually that changes your life forever. I love having that, and I don't ever want that to go away. No, I think to your guys' credit, you guys both ask. I don't want to say more interesting, but you ask more pointed questions that allow you to be open for a unique experience because of this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think that's the really cool part about being a human. There's a there's an individual that I really aspire to be like that just exudes joy. And he decided one day that whenever his phone rang, no matter where he was, that he was going to be supremely available. He was going to answer that phone call. Now, sometimes he's speaking to an audience of 5,000 people and he'll go, Hey, thanks for calling. I'm so like, I'm talking to a group of 5,000 people. Say hi to everybody. I'll call you back in an hour. When I'm done talking, and I really want to talk to you, so don't go anywhere. 
but he decided that that was a way that he could be supremely available. And it's it's such a cool thing when you allow yourself to be more open to looking at the humans you interact with and the environments that you're in, to be open to just learning. Just shut your mouth and listen. And just go, huh, that's amazing. And if you ask, it doesn't have to be like mind-blowing questions. Just ask more questions. And then just shut up again. You'll hear all these amazing things that you never hear. Like that homeless woman screamed at me and I was like, I'm having a great day. How are you doing? I don't know. Pretty good, I guess. And then the whole thing just like hiccuped. It's crazy. That's so weird. It's crazy because <clears throat> we ignore so much of that. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people don't get a chance to to tell their story or don't feel empowered to tell their story. Everyone or, wants to. Or or there are people that I think don't think they have a story. Sure. And the minute you scratch a little bit, you find a depth that they don't maybe even want to acknowledge in themselves. And I just, I don't know, man. I It's, it's borderline obsession, but I love it. Like, you know, just trying to strike up a conversation anyway yeah. and figure out a little bit about somebody. Yeah. It's great. I think, it, I think everybody to some degree wants to be heard. And a lot of people walk a life or have a vocation or live in a place where, you know, no one other than the people closest to them get to hear their story. I'm not even going to call this a snipe. I think it's cool that we all had the same answer when there's an infinite number of answers for a topic such as this. Because my answer to a journey without a goal is um, just the human experience traversing this planet. I always say I'm an explorer of planet Earth, and I want to see a lot of it. I, don't, I never say I want to see all of it. I'm not going to see all of it, and I don't necessarily want to see all of it. But I want to see a lot of it. And I want to know the people that inhabit those various parts and what makes them tick and the things that they like to eat, the jokes that make them laugh. And if they say ja, 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 or they say ha, ha, ha. Like, that's that's really important to me. Yeah. And it brings me great joy uh, to, to get to know people wherever I may go. And this topic was brought on by my meditation practice and it, there's another thing that i've been learning about via that recently it's called uh, meta or uh, meta or matri not meta like fucking mark zuckerberg meta like m-e-t-t-a or maitri which i believe is m-a-i-t-r-i it's a buddhist principle of benevolence mm. <clears throat> and it's the sort of the practice of like wishing well upon others in via the practice of meditation or, or via buddhism Kind of what you're doing is you're using your meditation practice and focus via meditation to kind of open up your mind and heart, close your eyes, right? Fold your legs, put your hands in your lap. What you're doing is you're thinking about somebody in your life that you care for and um, have no quarrel with and you want great things for them and you're not really like wishing or, or like bringing to fruition great fortune for them. But really all you're doing is that's what, that's what you're focusing on. That's what you're meditating on is you're thinking of somebody that you care for and like wishing them yeah. well. And you don't necessarily just have to do that for someone, you know, you can also wish that for 
child in Gaza or like a stranger, maybe someone with the opposite beliefs of you that, you know, you hope someday their heart will open. But that practice is like, I love that because it really does open up your heart as much as your mind. Yeah. And like I did that practice today and I wasn't even thinking of the fact that Nate was going to be here, but I thought of Nate because it was my guided meditation. Sam Harris mentioned, let's do this practice of, of meta. And he said, like, think of someone that you love and like wish them well. And I thought of Nate because I love him. And of course I wish him well, but it's cool to like focus on that. I love you too, pal. And it gives you, you know, like it, it really just, it opens up everything for you. And that's exactly why, like, I want to know people better. Yeah. And I want to love people better, including people that I know already, but also strangers and the people that I'm going to love someday that I don't even know today because I'm only 42. I'm going to come to know and love a lot more people. I really value the fact that we all landed in the same spot with this topic that, like, it's about the human experience and listening to people and, like, sitting down and breaking bread or smoking a cigar with, with people we know and people we don't. I think this fits, and I think we, I think we need to start including Ben in this. Nah, Charles. No, <laughs> we. Should, yeah, we. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's so good. You're like, nah. You're the mic <laughs> at the better. floor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Charles, Charles, and I share a lot of Instagram content that is people caring for others that they don't know in the world. Just random acts of kindness or concerted, like, targeted acts of kindness just because you can. And Charles and I have both lamented that often these get pushed back like, well, why do they got to videotape this? And why do they got to, like, can't they just do it? You go, yes, they could. But isn't it also cool that they video this and then you see it and you get inspired to do the same thing to somebody else? Like, I don't see any fault in that at all. I've gotten so much pushback because I talk about the charity stuff that I do. And it's not because I want somebody to say, oh, right. wow, you're amazing. It's because I want to remind everybody that if a fucking doofus like me can go out and talk into a microphone for a few hours and raise enough money that it can help somebody get medical treatment and get somebody out of houselessness, like yep. that, that bare minimum. You can do this. It's yep. not, it doesn't require you to be wealthy to like pay for 5,000 people to get eye surgeries. It's literally just taking a little time out of your day and trying to pay it forward. Right. And I think that's an important thing to remind everybody of, you know, like that's, it's okay to talk about the good in the world. Yes. Because it reminds you that it's out there. Yes. Like there's an account, it's MD Motivator, right? Yeah, MD Motivator. And I think he's based out of Canada, right? I believe he's from somewhere in Canada. Yeah. yeah, so he was in medical school and near suicidal, like so depressed he couldn't hardly function. So he started giving money away to people on the, like to random individuals. I think maybe the way he started was the blindfold with the, if you need a hug. Oh, that's that, what it was. I think yeah. that's what he started doing. Yeah, with oh, the hug. I've, yeah, I've seen that He's before. amazing. Yeah. And then now he's gotten individuals to donate to him so he's able to give... And one of the more recent ones was this sweet, sweet boy. And he wanted to be a professional basketball player, but mm-hmm. I forget what country his family was from. But 
he wanted to be this. Prof- he wants to be a professional basketball player, but he gives him the money. And he's like, would you rather like have this or would you rather give it to your dad to to be able to like pay for things? Uh, oh yeah, I'd rather give it to my dad. And then he gets all the stuff in addition to that. And then they go back again and do another video, and he gives me more, and he flies him to a game. And this kid is so damn sweet and so caring of his family and what his dad is doing for their family to, to make ends meet. And the crazy part is, is not only is he helping this family and encouraging them to be amazing human beings, but he's essentially, he, he's also being saved in the process. Mm-hmm. Because he had all of this depression and near suicidal anxiety. The crazy part about giving is it has this amazing selfish benefit that it saves you. We got like we got to promote this more often. Dude, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Like uh, Charles, you've seen this before. Um, the last two years, uh, shout out to former guest in the podcast, Katie Dimmick. This was her idea. Uh, it's it's the the greatest, literally the greatest gift that a friend has ever given me that the, uh, she put two years ago, uh, she, we had like a wheel for charity and she put one of the squares. We were out of prizes and she just put Ben Quam gives you a hug. And you know, there were, I, I always made sure to let everybody know, like this is a consent thing. So if you, if you don't want a hug, if you're not into physical touch, I'll give you a high five or I'll just say, thank you. Like no big deal. This isn't a forced thing, but I got to hug literally over the course of that year. And then this year we did it again. So over the course of three weeks, like I literally got to hug almost a hundred people and the, the power of how amazing is that for you? It was unbelievable. Like I got, I got to get hugged a hundred times. You can't buy that shit. And then all I would say every time I give them a hug and I would say, thank you for being a good person and giving to charity. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And people get like choked up. Yes. Like it's just giving them. I'm getting choked up now. Like you are a good person. Uh huh. That's it. Like, yeah. Here's a hug. And yep. like, I, I give good hugs, yep. but like it was, it was just, it's awesome. And it's complete. Like I think about that so much. Yeah. With all the, year long with the MD motivator account, he still does the thing where he'll like go to a mall and he'll say, he puts a blindfold on. He says, if you need a hug for any reason, hug me. And then people hug him and just like that act alone He'll like he'll just say, you know, he'll hug him and say, "Hey, I love you." And he says, uh, "Like, why did you why did you need a hug? Did you need a hug today?" And then like they'll start crying. They'll say, "You know, my mom died yesterday." Yeah. something like that. Oh, it's like, so good. Just yeah. that, just like that that little crevice that light pokes through. Dude, I'm um, like holding it back now. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 for his purposes on his account, what he does is he almost always asks for help before he offers help. Yeah, and to see that. You know, this is a very real thing, and I've known a lot of people like this in my life. He says, "I my wallet got stolen. Could you, I, like, it'll be on a college campus. I'll say, my wallet got stolen. Could you, like, could you just, like, buy me an apple and a bottle of water? Or do you have anything for me to eat? People pull, like, tins out of their backpack and say, this was my lunch, but you're hungry. Eat this. I'll get myself something later. And then those are people that he blesses with like a new MacBook or a thousand dollars or what have you. It's but it's it's mm. it's really phenomenal that simply like asking for help mm-hmm. and and having that offered that 
people are open in that way, you know, well, and, and seeing like the, the goodness of, of the human experience. I, I see the, the beauty in an opportunity for a complete stranger to be able to bless you with something they have. Like we don't often get an opportunity to, to share with people or to bless them yeah. or to gift them something or to, um, to meet a need, if you will. Because people don't just ask for that. So when somebody goes out of their way, a creator, if you will, to give another human being an opportunity to be amazing, that's kind of special. Like, I think that's really cool. And then that person goes, oh, dude, hold on. I got I got a bunch of stuff in here. Like, do you want some crackers? Do you want, like, some chips? I have an apple. Yeah. Do you, I have this sandwich. Oh, I'll go back to my room and I'll make some more stuff. Really? You'll do that for me? Why would you do that? Oh, it's really cool when it's like there's one time this Indian guy had like a four course meal. Right? And he's telling him what they all were and how to consume them. He's like, Well, this, my mom makes that. And he's, so like, good. he's like, Do you live with your mom? She's like, You know, they, and they say stuff like, No, I'm here alone. They're overseas. She taught me how to make it because I can't have her food because she's so far away. But it's yeah, so amazing. Like, he's like, I want you to have all of it. Take this for all course. of this. Yeah. And there, I think there's as much beauty in allowing another person to have the opportunity to serve you. And that's the, the crazy part about, like, you think about a servant's bow and how, like, oh, that's so humiliating. Why would you ever do that? But there's a very interesting dynamic in serving somebody in that there's more weight on the person being served to allow you to serve them than there is on the person serving. And most people miss that. And when you allow someone the opportunity to let you serve them and they wow you by serving more or giving you whatever they have, that is, that's spectacular. Like, it's really amazing. And... I think like we just need so much more of that. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a that's a good challenge to all of our listeners out there. Like you don't have to go that far, but hey, maybe this week go do something nice. And and it isn't that far. No. It's No, I'm saying you don't have to devote your life oh, to no. giving people MacBooks. That's I'm what I mean. Saying, <laughs> you, no, you get, the exactly. first step is like literally just just ask somebody you're having lunch with at, yeah. at work or something. Ask them how they're doing and tell them just give them a compliment. Like, I have read countless stories of people who were suicidal. And the simple act of somebody smiling at them and saying, hey, I hope you have a great day. Flip the script. Like, you just never know. And I, I get super choked up. You never know how the simple mention of their first name or a smile where you make eye contact and you notice them like Charles, you mentioned, like something to the effect of people, everybody wants to be seen. Like they don't need a ton of attention, but they want to know that somebody else in this world actually paid attention and said, I, I see you. That's what we want. I took, and, a, I took a work call two days oh, ago, man. and I just looked at my phone, and this person never calls me. And I was like, all right. I answered the phone. I go, hello, wonderful human. And oh, literally yeah. just the fact that yeah. she got hit for like a stutter. 
Yeah. She's like, wait, wait, what? I, what? Sorry. I was like, oh, sorry. I, I think you're red. You're a cool human. Anyway, what can I do for you? And it was like, it was hilarious just how much that derailed because we're not used to doing that to each other. No. You know, like, and hey, like easy. when somebody's sharing something intimate and you go, can, can I give you a hug? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then you hug them and they hold for like that extra second. And then you hold maybe a second longer than that. And they keep holding. And you're like, I'm good. Whenever, like, you tell me when you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we're dying for this. Mm-hmm. Like, dying for it. Because we're all on this bullshit in our hands. Mm-hmm. And we're all looking for attention. And when someone real in front of you touches you and gives you that real hug, not the bullshit side hug, head pulled away bullshit, the real hug where you squeeze and you hold. Like Charles asked earlier about the trade show I was at in Vegas. And I didn't I didn't mention it, but when I when I flew out to Vegas for this trade show, I generally will go out for events and I will see my uh, Boveda accounts and I'll spend FaceTime in accounts so they actually know me and I actually am friends and I like I want to develop a relationship with these accounts so I flew out on Sunday to spend time for a couple of days at my accounts before this trade show started and I flew in on Sunday a week ago and was at one of my accounts stopped at a uh, a shop to get something for my Airbnb, and in the five minutes I was in the shop, my the window of my rental car got smashed, and my backpack with my laptop, all of my bathroom supplies, my AirPods, kind of all the stuff that makes you feel like a normal human got stolen out of my car. And I didn't for a second think about, like, flying home or whatever, but there is an organization in the cigar industry called Cigars for Warriors, and they... They accept cigars, and Boveda, we provide them with free Boveda packs to keep the cigars humidified, to send cigars to service members that are in the field, Mm -hmm. to have a sense of normalcy when they're not at home. And there is a couple, uh, their names are John and Kim, and I love them. Like, intensely love them. And I've become very good friends with them, and I told them what happened, and... They were at a particular cigar bar that I wasn't at, and they said, hey, we're hanging out here. I'm like, how long are you going to be there? Because I'm still doing some work, and they're like, we'll be here for a while. And I went, you know what? I'm pretty frazzled, and I'm kind of the type of guy that just pushes forward and doesn't draw attention, but I'm just not feeling great. And I said, I'm coming to you guys. And I got to this cigar bar, and they both ran out of the cigar bar to give me a hug, like, the kind of hug that makes you Mm -hmm. feel like the world kind of changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I felt normal again. And to be that kind of person for another human. Yep. Fuck. That's, that's what the, that's what it's all about. Lighting a candle with another candle doesn't diminish the flame of the first. Nope. Not at all. That's all it is. Being kind does nothing but help you grow. Yep. Uh, so for people that want to know more about you, is there anything that you want to share is the socials? Yeah, you can always follow me at uh, Bovida underscore Nate 
Or you can follow me at the OG account, Nate underscore dogs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you follow me and you are keyed into wanting to bring more hope to the world, follow me, send me a direct message, and I will include you in all the cool shit that Charles and I send each other. I love it. Because <laughs> I would love to expand this. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right phrase. I would love to expand this kind of love to a lot more people. So send me a message, and I will send you all the cool shit. In fact, at my job, every Friday I post something called Feel Good Friday on our Slack channels. And it's a video or something similar to what Charles and I share between each other all the time. And I will send you something every Friday, either through social media or you can send me your cell phone and I will send it to you via text. And I promise we will start to change this world a little bit. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Charles, what about you? Anything you want to throw out there? Get your bova to packs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep it keep it properly humidified, baby. Uh to all of our friends around the world and to everybody here. Yeah. Especially uh, Austria. Especially Austria. Shout out to y'all. You're great. <laughs> uh yeah. Obviously, like make sure they're okay with it. But you know what? Even less than giving somebody a hug, just or giving somebody a compliment. Give somebody a really good hug. There's nothing better. And it does nothing but make you like there is science behind the endorphins that are released in a really good What is it? Twenty seconds? No, I think it starts at eight. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. Like it's my favorite thing. Everybody. Can I, can I tell you guys this? Yeah. No. Like, during, I'll tell Nate, the, the stages after the pandemic, huh? I feel like, well, because of the pandemic, but also the stages after, I feel like I, for a long time, I was not hugging the way that I used to hug. Huh. And it was more for the comfort of others than me because I know that I'm a germaphobe. Yeah. And if I'm hugging someone, I'm telling you that I'm okay with the germs. Yeah. But it was more like out of respect that I didn't want to make anyone feel germy. Yeah. yeah. It's really only been recently that I've been like hugging people. I feel like I've turned back the clock. Yeah. You know, I feel like Jordan with the wizards. Because I wasn't really hugging people. I was kind of just like, yeah. hey, hi, sorry. Here we are. Sorry. Love you. Bye. Okay. Like, now I'm finally really hugging Get people. In Get in there. So, if you know me in real life, and we do a hug, let's let's get it. Get in there. Let's get it. Yeah. Yep. Get in there. It's the best feeling <laughs> on earth. So, uh, hey, consider this a hug to all of your ears from us right here at Libations for Everyone. Yep. We'll see you next time.